This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you could only be here for one reason that's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comicbookclick.com and as always i'm never alone sir please introduce yourself i am dan the comic book man dan the comic book man is here on this very special episode of the major issues podcast as a matter of fact dan the comic book man actually picked the topic of today's episode of the oh, I definitely have been wanting podcast. to cover this for a long time. It's a it's a film and a graphic novel that I, to be honest, had never checked out. Um, I can't think right now of why uh, these things have both eluded me. But as a fan of both, Dan suggested that we cover A History of Violence, um, which was a graphic novel first written in um, or first pu- first published in 1997, and then became a film in 2005, starring Viggo Mortensen. Am I saying that right? Good old Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mort. His first name is Viggo. That was the yep. first. That was their choice. Um, that, was their, that was their choice. They stuck with Viggo. So. Full transparency, I created a bunch of really detailed notes for this uh, podcast dealing with the graphic novel, and I was going to head over um, and, you know, allow you, Dan, the comic book movie man, to tell me a little bit about the film, even though I've seen it, and then we were going to discuss what we liked about both, what we didn't like about either. But uh, I don't know where my notes went. Sometimes things are a little bit too easy for me here at the dungeon, Uh, so... I decided that we're just going to go through the story as it's, as it stands and uh, talk about, um, like, still the same thing. Talk about what we like, what we didn't like. And you'll get my first run comments about the film. No one has heard how I feel about this film until Oh, yes. I haven't podcast. even heard yet. Yes. My feelings on this film will be broadcast for the first time. That's not, there's no pressure there at all. Um, yeah. No pressure. Give me some background, though. When was the first time you remember uh, being introduced to this property, whether it's the film or the... Uh, All right, so there was movie. a Or the film or the book. <laughs> it was the film first for me. Okay. There was this tournament on a Facebook group, uh, Best Comic Book Movies, and it, just, it wasn't just Marvel or DC. It was any movie that was based on any sort of comic book property. Mm-hmm. And one of the movies that ended up popping up on the bracket was a history of violence. I've never and road and a road to perdition. Two movies I've never. Well, I've heard of Road to Perdition, but I've never heard of a history of violence. Didn't even think that this was a kind of movie that would be a comic book movie. So I was like, huh, it was an hour and a half. Let me just throw this on. I threw it on and I fell in love. It, it, road it, to Perdition is the Tom Hanks vehicle, right? 
Yep, that's the okay. Tom Hanks in the 1940s type. It, they're both like these neo-noir, but like for a modern day. Mm-hmm. Like this is very like um, Last House on the Left, uh, act, uh, but that Bronson character. Right. The actor Bronson, whatever his name is. Charles Bronson. There you go. Death Proof or Death Wish. Death Wish. It's like one of these Death Wish movies. Okay. And uh, I don't know. There was something that just attracted me to want to read this. Like if this was a comic book, I had to check this out. And one day I did. And man, does it start out crazy. What? I mean, the movie starts out pretty. Do you remember the the, the time distance between watching the film and reading the book? I think a year, okay, maybe a year, maybe two years, somewhere within that time frame. Like it was very, very far between. Prior to but the I rewatch, I remember wanting to cover them. That was always the thing I wanted because we had this podcast. I definitely wanted right. to cover this movie. Um, prior prior to rewatching it for the cast, when was the last time you've seen it? Oh, this is my second time seeing it. Since the very first time that you saw it, okay. I only saw it once, yeah. But I still remember a lot of this movie. Okay. That was the thing. I, there was still a lot of this movie in my head. I was like, damn. Like the mm. farmhouse scene, definitely the ending, most of the beginning. A lot right. of it was still in my head. Okay, okay. Um, so let's get into this graphic novel a bit. Um, the graphic novel was written by John Wagner and illustrated by Vince Locke. And was originally published in 1997 by Paradox Press and later Vertigo Comics, which, you know, is both uh, imprints of DC Comics. So it's funny that we find a lot of these um, graphic novels that turn into films and they just so happen to be all published under Vertigo. Vertigo was doing some serious things. What's so hilarious is how many how many unknowing comic book comic book movies are we going to cover that we find out? Oh, wait, this is DC. Yeah, Yeah. we just think they're obscure graphic novels. But um, turns out, nope, they're a sister brand of DC. Yep. Yes, they are. Um, so the comic opens up with a bunch of people with two people trying to uh, hitchhike. They see some kind of shady characters and they're murdered on, on the spot. Those shady characters decide that they're going to go into um, the little town nearby and stick up the joint. And that's when we first meet our protagonist, Tom McKenna who runs a soda shop in the town. Do, I don't, do they ever say where, where this town is? Do you remember? Uh, it's just... Uh, I know the town that they're... Oh, it's, it's Michigan. There you go. In the movie or the... In the book. book. In the book, it's Michigan. Okay, because in the movie, it's Indiana. Okay. So, um, you know, you, you see Tom there with his wife, his daughter, uh, you know, regulars at the soda shop, and everyone's being real personable. Tom seems very... Um, nice, and then right when he's thinking about closing up the shop, two gentlemen come in demanding coffee. They look pretty angry and uh, surly, so Tom, you know, gets the bright idea to send um, people home, send everybody else home, and what, like, right when he sends his wife and his daughter home, um, the guy that is acting for the coffee pulls out a gun. He pulls it right out, points it at old Tom, and they both men uh, proclaim their want to kill Mr. McKenna. But before they can, he grabs the, I'm guessing, boiling hot uh, pot of coffee 
that is there and that is one to be there in a diner and smashes one of the gentlemen across the head and then uh the other is able to grab the gun and i basically unleash into one of the one of the patrons who smashes through the diner window and of all accounts he becomes a, a small town hero because of it what do you think about this opening of the story Oh, it was it was awesome because I the thing is since because I watched the movie first, I remember a lot of from the movie what was going down. Okay. Like I like I know that the it's a different opening from the the movie. The movie's actually a really pretty messed up opening as well. Like it's not to say like oh one's worse than the other. No, they're both pretty dark openings for this kind of property. Like you know you think you think comic books, you think superheroes, but yeah, so far it was it was the drawing that was, that what got, really got me. The illustration is great. Yeah, this is, you know, I have a unique perspective on this because I remember when we went back to review V for Vendetta, you know, I had never read the book. I had just only seen the film. And um, so in looking at the story, I'm trying to piece together what I'm seeing with what I know is going to happen from the events of the film. Um, in this case, is the opposite where I, I was watching the film waiting for certain plot points to drop that I knew from the comic. Um, whereas you were doing it the the way that I used to, which is you watched, um, you were reading the book with full memory of what goes on in the film. Yeah. Um, we also, fun fact. Go ahead, bro. You know, um, one of the ro- one of the robbers in the diner in the movie is played by good old Night Owl Number One. Oh, uh, I can't. Mason. Stephen McCady. What was his Hollis name Mason? Hollis Mason. Hollis. Hollis. Hollis Mason. Stephen McCady. He's in the, he's in this Watchmen and he's in Shoot 'Em Up. Well, that those two are Vertigo. I, I, I want to say Watchmen is Vertigo. I got to double check that, but yeah, like um, maybe he just likes those Vertigo properties. Uh, so we have a short scene of a softball game, just showing. I think all these other scenes that are there are just to show the camaraderie of the town and how people look Basically. at Tom. Um, and while he's there, we see that a shadowy figure in a dark sedan is looking on, uh, just parked over there looking on at night. Tom goes to put his uh, daughter to bed and has a conversation with his family when he notices that the sedan is still parked. The same sedan that was at the baseball game is parked outside of his house. Uh, his wife thinks it's the reporters, but he's a little bit more suspicious. The next day, when in the soda shop, um, the black sedan pulls up again, and some gentlemen step out. One of them looking, uh, well, both of them looking quite suspicious because they're all dressed in black, wearing sunglasses, um, and proclaim themselves from being from New York. Talking with that what you know type accent, like I, I couldn't help but read that cliche. Italian yeah. mobster voice in my head, just especially with the was user sayings and all that right, crap. Right. So they're standing there and they're basically kind of like busting Tom's chops, right? They're like, hey, you're, you're that the hero. Yeah, guy. you're that guy. Yeah, you're that guy. Hey, you're McKenna, right? Um, and then they mentioned that he doesn't have a, a finger, which is one of the first, like, characteristics that we know about tom like oh that's like that's that's something that has a story behind it right no one just is missing a finger 
that's got to have a quite a story. Right. Um, but we don't know it yet. Uh, and But they're still there. They're still bugging them. All of a sudden, an older gentleman f- comes out of the car and walks right in. And he's been identified by the two men who worked at, walked in uh, before him as Mr. Torino. Mr. Torino takes a seat at the table and immediately starts accosting <laughs> um, Tom, looking at him very, very closely and calling him Joey. He also asks him if, he, if he's ever been to New York. Tom says maybe once or twice. Um, and it starts. the conversation starts to get menacing as Torino starts to say things like, oh, you know what, I, you look like a guy I know. And uh, it's somebody that I actually owe. You know, I actually, uh, I got to find him because I want to pay him my debts. And he's like, oh by, oh, by the way, that guy that I'm looking for is also missing a finger. You sure you never been to New York? And it's the beginning of this cat and mouse game of us trying to figure out whether this man is just a surly gentleman uh, who's confused. He's missing an eye and he's quite old. So this could all be a case of mistaken identity. When watching the film, did you think that was the case? Oh, I 100% knew that he was definitely the guy. <laughs> you knew it's he Viggo was Mortensen. It's Viggo Mortensen. Was that his? I think that was his. his no, his, I think his name was John or Joey. Joey Cusack or? Yeah, I think Joey. His name in the, so the only thing they was changed like, was the last name because they changed the ethnicity of um, of everyone involved, basically. Yeah, in the comic book, like they're he's, he's, they're like Italians. Yeah, it's the mob, basically. It's the uh, it's the Italian mob. The old mob. But nah, I just I I just knew there was just there was no way you know storytelling. I know storytelling. That was definitely the case. Yeah. Especially since you know our first real introduction of Tom McKenna in both the movie and the book is him taking out two robbers. Yeah. And he did it in a like a John Wick type way too. That's true. Like this wasn't a oops accident, oops clumsy, oops I'm um, getting beat up and then the gun happens to be by my arm. Yeah, pa- panic. To- panic rarely gives you reflexes. <laughs> you might have super yeah. speed sometimes, but that man those has weren't reflexes. panicky reflexes. Yeah, those weren't panicky reflexes. Those were those were Mike Armin Trout reflexes. Those were learn- he learned, learned. He has a his education in, in kung fu. He knew the way of the gun fu panda. Uh, so it, it, it's not even a little weird that Torino's carrying around this twenty year grudge literally around his neck, this this thumb or this finger. I don't know if it's a thumb. But, I think it's the. I'm pretty sure it's the ring finger. Yeah, but you know, like he's been carrying around this ring finger around his neck seemingly for twenty oh, man. years. The mob don't forget. No, they don't. A Lannister, a Lannister always pays his debts. While this man is accosting uh, Tom, calling him Joey, his wife uh, comes up. Edie? Am I saying that right? Edie. Edie. Yep. And she basically is like, yeah, I better get out of here before I call the police because y'all all getting everybody all upset and all that stuff. Instead of ramping up, the other two that are with the older Mr. Torino are like, oh, no, no, you know, no, no harm, no foul. He's just old. And he probably just mistaked you for somebody, so don't even worry about it. Sorry but for the yeah, trouble. Yeah, I don't seize too good. Sorry for the trouble. Don't even worry about it. We're getting out of here. Um, you must have just confused 
Joey with with Tom because you've seen Tom on TV being a hero. Maybe you just got your your signals crossed. What I like here that didn't happen in the film is that we see the um, well at least Edie call the sheriff. So Edie calls the sheriff, and the sheriff makes sure to do a routine traffic stop with Mr. Torino and his guys. In doing so, he's able to bring the information to the couple at the soda shop that, hey, yeah, these guys are all from New York. They're basically mafia people. <laughs> like, they are all been yeah, indicted. Yeah, I think the movie, it was like, he just did a basic background check on the computer. Yeah, well, he he does stop them, but I don't know if he stops them because of the McKenna's, you know? He does stop them on the road, and he... um. They do the briefing in um, in Tom's house, as opposed to in the soda shop. And so he's like, "Yeah, these this this is where the, the line gets dropped." Uh, he says that Torino served eight years for a twelve year sentence for murder back in the eighties. Uh, Palestrina's been indicted for four murders, um, and Rossi twice. And then he says the line: "All three have a long history of violence." Well, uh, uh, they said it. More credits. What do you think is the the theme or the point of the title? A history of violence. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to go by like the title, usually a title would would be for the main character. Right, but whether I'm, it's a movie we know, or a TV episode, we know that the first time it's spoken, it's to describe the mafia or the or the bad guys in this it could be a metaphor for tom's backstory he had a would that make him just violence. as bad as these other guys the, in the movie he is because in the movie he's a he's like the best hitman assassin what about in the, movie, in the, what about in the book the, in the book he was just a kid it was just that one bad day, like oh crap that's right we're spoiling all this stuff anyway but right, in, right, yeah, in the book it was that spoilers. it was that one it was one accident. It was one mess up. It was a, oh, damn, I escaped with my life and I've been on the run ever since. Yeah. And even then, it's also stated in the book that he has been looked for before. So maybe, like, so maybe the idea is like the, a history of violence is something that that follows you? Like maybe. If you have a history of violence, um, maybe, maybe it's saying brought- that a history of violence speaks for you more than anything else could. If you have yeah, a history, he did of violence, bring a yeah. history of violence to his family, right, right, and that, and no matter what he did, that history followed him to in both instances, um, and maybe they are trying to say that he's as black and white in this. I know in the book, there's several points in which people claim, like, bro, you should be as arrested for this as everybody else, but it's like statute of limitations, and 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 at one point they don't read him his Miranda rights. It's a bunch of stuff. That was hilarious. I was like, damn, they went straight Saul on him. 100%. Um, they asked him if, if they made any direct threats, which is a question they constantly ask. I guess if someone's bothering you, but they don't make direct threats, you know, the cops can't really They're do just much. bothering you, yeah. Yeah. The cops can tell them to move it along. Right. But they can't arrest and them. Then when, yeah. There is no crime in using your free speech to just bother somebody. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh, like laughing in someone's face just all day, every day. Right. Um, what's funny is that they, they, they're, the cop is basically like, yeah, you know, um, if none of them had guns and none of them, you know, like if they're, if they're 
damn, what do they call that? Alibi checks out, which they're saying that they're just looking for property in the area. Um, and I they had really all the anything. retail papers, yeah. Yeah, I can't really do anything. Um, and then she mentions, well, you there's that thumb, <laughs> right? And he's like, yeah, that thumb's messed up, but I can't, like, I can't arrest him for having a thumb. But then he's like, oh, by the way, Tom, how did you lose your thumb? Oh, yeah. Or whatever. I keep saying it. Thumb. Yeah, boating so, accident. He's like, yeah, it's boating. And he's like, uh, yeah, all right. People believe in, Frank definitely believes Tom. I think there's a sweeter moment in the movie where he's like really looking at this man, like trying to, you know, decipher whether or not all well, his see, years of trust. Frank believed him in the books because he's like, I don't know, man. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying the DNA came back to your thumb. Like they I, tested the thumb for DNA, yeah, and it was Tom's DNA. Yeah, that's. But that, that they don't end be, up doing. Know, they don't end up doing that to like, to before, before. The people show up. But we'll see. I think they do it after the people show up because they would have had to have gotten the thumb off of his dead body. Right, right. Just... That, but that's what I'm saying. So all up until that time, the guy's humoring Tom by Tom saying like, "Oh, that's not me." Like all up until the shootout, the the, the very mysterious shootout. If this is not you, right? Uh, yeah. All before then, he's like, "Oh yeah, I don't know. These guys are weird. It's obviously not you." Like, "Oh, you missed. You you left. You lost your finger in a boating incident." Okay. Um, what I like, and I actually like this part better in the book than I do in the uh, film, is that the guys go back to the motel, the the mobsters, and they're they're like, man, you know, you really can't just be flipping out on people, <laughs> you know, you gotta really know if it's him, and um, you know, you gotta make up your mind. And Torino just like smacks one of his guys as hard as he can and starts to choke him, and he's like, I'm getting old, but. I'm telling you that that was Joey. It is what it is. He's like, yo, I may be old, but I'll take both of you right now. Yeah, he's he flipping is, out. He I did. Caring. I did like that they that they found a way to still um, the visual nature of Mister Torino is replicated in um, Ed Harris's character. In oh, definitely. The film. Ed Harris is cool because that's Ed Harris. Ed Harris is literally the man. So Edie goes to pick up the uh, her, da- her daughter from school. And as she's driving, she notices that the black sedan's behind her. So she decides to get off on an exit and go to a mall. Uh, she still sees the car. Once she gets inside, um, she notices that she's kind of sort of surrounded. Like she drops a coin and the person that picks it up is one of the mobsters. That mobster turns around and there's another mobster there. And then... Uh, hey, funny running into you, Mrs. McKenna. I fucking... I love how much I hate those guys. That's exactly what it is. Well, they, 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 they bust their chops. Um, and I guess if you didn't know about the meeting in the motel, you would think that they're just being, like, malicious. But since yeah. we know about the meeting in the motel, we know that this is meant to... Like, they're meant to bother her so that she calls Tom. So that Tom can come out into the open so they can settle this once and for all. So it's a bit of a smart play on behalf of the mafia. <laughs> um, because oh, that's no, exactly was, what I'm, she I'm does. Reading, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, while I was reading, I was like, oh, they're definitely making like threats without making threats. Yes. They're basically, and not so many words. They're basically saying, you know, like, with the, oh, you don't want to have anything happen to this precious little girl. You know, you want to make sure she's right by your side. Anything can happen and be messed up. Like, they're basically making Italian mafia threats. I've seen enough mafia movies to know what subtle threats sound like. Well, it's always, it's always, 
we always know what a mafia threat is because we always find out what would be a shame. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's how they're all framed. In instances, would it be a shame wouldn't it be a happens? shame if something it's a nice daughter you got there? It'd be a damn Maybe shame. if a certain someone does or he doesn't come over and maybe break a certain someone's leg. No, that's or not. All, all that all that does and doesn't is all that is that's funny. <laughs> Bro, but that you Whether can't you tell me that that wasn't you like do- an act. Are you dozing? <laughs> Am I saying that right? Bro, you can't tell me that's not an accurate depiction, though. It's like, you know, maybe something did or it didn't fall off the back of a certain <laughs> truck. It's always a certain yes. something. A certain did or didn't, could or couldn't, all that stuff. Because you can't admit what actually happened. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so Tom starts kind of like flipping out, right? Because he's like... They're following my family. We need to figure this out. But the cop is still like, I'm sorry, but they they still haven't done anything. And if you no, yeah, because saying... he even asked, like, did he threaten you, Mrs. McKenna, at all? Did he threaten you once? No, he didn't threaten me, but he made it seem like it, though. It's like, well, this isn't the made it seem like it department, all right? This is the police department. <laughs> so uh, you guys need to figure this thing out because um, and the, the basic thing is that Tom, especially now, that his daughter and his wife seemingly have crosshairs on them is kind of unhinged. You know, he demands protection and all this other kind of stuff. And to Frank, the cop, he doesn't understand, right? If this is all just mistaken identity, then let it just be figured out, you know? Um, but like I said, he demands it. And so I think... Because at this point, if you haven't watched the book, if you haven't read the book or watched the movie... You probably think to yourself, this might be just a mistaken identity. This guy has like this, you know, dad bod. He looks like, you know, Jonathan Ames if he didn't start drinking. Like he has like this really, like the, the, the sun, not sunglasses, the regular glasses, the parted hair. He just looks like a normal dad. His face kind of reminds me of that, uh, the male character from Sex Criminals. Oh, I yeah. Can't his name. He does but, have that look, but. Um, yeah. But they're in the house looking out the window. Tom is scared as hell. And he's trying to find a way to get Evie out of the house. He's like, you need to just like go somewhere so you don't have to worry about anything. But Edie just demands and keeps asking, but do they know you? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, every time, like, none of this makes sense. The the levels that you're, wait, you're waiting to go to protect us and protect the family um, only make sense if you know these people and if you know what they're capable of. But and then he starts to get all defensive, like, "What? You don't even know me? You're telling me you don't know me? You don't believe me? You're gonna believe those other people?" And she's like, "I'm, I'm Gas just saying, lighting uh, for as real, gaslighting as a mother, for real." And so she's like, "Hey, uh, is there something you're not telling me? Something that you know happened a long time ago?" And he's like, "No, I don't know what you're talking about." So then a cat knocks over a garbage can, and uh, Mister. Um, McKenna, out of fear, grabs one of the shotguns from the wall and goes outside. Um, he bumps into one of the cops who decided that he was going to go and make sure that there was no trouble coming from these New York guys. When he goes to do so, he reports back that they're gone. They must have left. So, all is well. And I think that's one of the things that they say, right? Like, well, seeing as they're gone, like, there's nothing, like, we can't provide protection for people who are gone. Like, against people who are gone. Yeah, so they just leave. So, uh, you're good to go. Go get some sleep. And they, uh, they're they sitting around, and you could tell that that Tom's not 
happy about all this. But he ends up getting a phone call, and when he answers the call, somebody, at, you know, calls him Joey. And he's telling them, I don't know what you're talking about. You got the wrong man. We had nothing to talk about. And the guy's like, yeah, sure we do. Uh, you owe us, Joey. You owe Mr. Torino. And he's like, I don't understand. You guys are making a mistake. Maybe you could sort this out, yada, 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 yada. Um, come come down to meet us. And he's like, no, I'm not doing any of that. I'm calling the cops. I'm not playing around with any of these things. He calls the cops. The cops are like, I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? So he's like, you know what? I'm taking a shotgun, and I'm just going to be ready. Um, the mobsters, I think, starting to decide that, like, screw it. Like, this is all way too much trouble. <laughs> and he doesn't seem to even want to. Yeah, one of them's like, one's like I, got a, I got a meeting in another state. Like, I wasn't planning on being here more than, like, two days. Like, and like, like I said, this guys is all a person do. They can't be escorting him. Yeah, it really is. But it's also not just his personal vendetta. You find out later, it, it's, it goes far deeper than that. This is legit the mafia's vendetta. Up, up front, who do you think has um, the bigger reason to be upset at Joey? Film oh. antagonist or oh. book antagonist? Uh, I would go... Damn. Well, you can't really like measure scorn. A scorn is a scorn. But yeah, I but you can measure the, the levels of scorn, has, right? I think the book has more of a right to be mad at good old Joey and want to get revenge on Joey because he did, as a stupid 20-year-old kid, hit off the mafia. <laughs> sort of, kind of, yeah. He kind of did hit off hit off the mafia in a big, like, literally two dudes in, <laughs> two dudes in Boy Scout outfits yeah. came in and ripped him off, man. Yeah. In this, the only reason why... Good, like Carl Fogarty or Far, for Fogarty. Fog, I don't Fog, know how to Fog, Fog, Fogarty, yeah. I'm trying not to say the F word. That's yeah, why. I, I completely understand. It's the so hard. <laughs> oh yikes! So good old Carl in the in the movie, I don't think has a right to be, you know, mad at Joey because really he's just playing more like fishing for his brother. He, he's he's playing the middleman for for William Hurt. And who would think the middleman would lead to death? In that situation. Like, that's yeah. a completely different situation. Um, like Joey in the movie. Doesn't think that anybody, everybody that's coming for him. Is coming to kill him. Whereas this. He knows literally anybody right. Like <laughs> if anything comes out of this. It's going to be that people want to kill me. Because I killed a bunch of people in New York. Um, yeah. In the movie Joey. It's it really just. I just ran away. Right. Uh, I so, made people think I was. Hey, he did the kill Bill. Basically, he did the Beatrix. That's exactly the the feeling I got when they did that reveal of what what the beef is. I was like, oh, you know, I was a murdering basically bastard, Kill Bill, basically, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> all that stuff. You, I mean, I don't know if I would do that to my little brother, but I'd probably have to slap him around a bit. Yeah, uh, they convinced Torino to drop it. They convinced Torino to just let go of this grudge. Maybe we'll circle back, figure out what's going on, but we really can't this waste all this time. This is my favorite part of the book. This, this is when this so, is when my favorite part of the book. That's what I'm saying. Like I really like this scene, and they don't do this in the film, which I, I felt like was a little bit much. Um, so they're driving away, and as they're driving, they see a kid on a bike. It's night, so they have their you know uh, headlights on. Got the good and, old high beams on, yeah. And John instantly identifies the child or the or the teenager or young adult as Joey the one that he's been looking for this entire time. 
if you've been reading this book, you realize that it's actually that. Buzz, the younger son of Joey slash um, Tom McKenna. Tom. Yeah. I was going to call him Yo, Tony. I felt that so hard because everyone, t- growing up, even to now to this day, anybody that knows my dad in his 20s says that I look like a clone of my dad. Right. So if my dad ever did anything in his 20s to some mafia and they're looking for him, I'm screwed. It's a wrap. Especially if, yo, I'm screwed. He's like, yo, wait a minute. You look like someone that screwed me over but 20 years younger. Yeah. Oh, damn. I'm dead. I'm a dead man. <laughs> they grab a buzz and then we have this moment where um, they are able to take down the power lines and they create a situation in which all the the, the, the three men – who came through the soda shop and caused all that ruckus, you know, the two men and um, Torino. Sorry. They are literally on the front porch of McKenna's house, but he has a very large house and a very large <laughs> front lawn. But they're there and they have Buzz hostage. They demand that Joey comes out and talks to them and then... Um, Joey's like, well, they go, you remember Brooklyn, Joey? And he's like, all right, all right, I'm coming. Don't, you know, you got to let my son go. And then his wife's like, wait, <laughs> you do know them? And he's like, yeah, 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 sorry. I know Torino. You know, I I, I, uh, I did, you know, a couple things. And I, I thought I knew them. I kind of thought I knew them. But I guess I do know them. A bunch of other stuff. Um, the man was just lying through his teeth. Yeah, he is. Man was just lying through his teeth because he straight up tells the Whole story later, so he was lying like, and the default that later is probably like four hours, four hours from now. (laughs) Yeah, the same night. Um, so they are shouting outside, "We want you come and get it. You can't hide from us. We have your son." Yada yada yada. So uh, McKenna puts a gun and gives. Sorry, um, Mr. McKenna gives Miss McKenna a gun, and it's like you guys need to, you guys need to run away. They'll kill you too. I'm going to go out there and try to save Buzz. So he goes outside. Um, they want him to put the gun down. He has a shotgun. And uh, he refuses. Instead, he decides to shoot a propane tank that's behind one of the gentlemen. Uh, once it explodes, I think it kills everybody but Torino. And um, uh, they did I thought one, one got away and then he got shot. Yeah. Sorry. I'm looking at it now. He's on his knees and he got he got. got. It it blew up one, and then uh, one got seriously injured. But then there's Torino, who's a little bit unscathed. Um, as uh, as Tom is instructing his son to run away, he's shot. And when you look, you find out it's Torino. So Torino is standing over him, talking to a whole bunch of you know mafia mobster tough guy crap. And he always got a monologue. He's like, um, "It's time for you to pay." This is an eye for an eye. This was what I've been waiting for this entire time. And then, boom, he's shot through the back, through the chest uh, by Miss McKenna with that gun. And then she proceeds to lay waste to um, Torino. I think this entire scene is one of my favorites in the book. Um, Definitely is because there's so much tension here. Yes. Like actual tension. Yeah. To where the movie, it didn't feel so tense because it's like, it's like, the, I think by the time this happens, you're at almost starting the third act. Yes. Well, you're that's the thing. You're basically they, almost starting the third act. That movie was, was, was 
pretty brief because this the, basically n- everything from this moment on is different uh in the book yeah. and from the film because she's like oh my god thank god that nightmare is over and he's like it ain't over these people are crazy They'll keep coming and they'll keep coming and they'll keep trying to kill us. We need to find a way to run. We need to find a way to get you away, get our daughter away, get Buzz away, all this other stuff. And she's like, no, they're dead. And he's like, no, you don't understand. And that's when she's like, well, what the hell did you do? We find out that um, when he was younger, his best friend's brother uh, got into uh, some bad stuff with the mob and was killed. And so his best friend always had a chip on his shoulder about that. Um, especially Louis Manzi and uh, John Toretto, Torino, sorry, Toretto. (laughs) Um, And so eventually it gets to a point where his friend Richie is like, listen, I know where they eat. I know what day they get their protection money. I think we should stick them up. I think we should go and we should rob them. And Tom's or Joey's like, because his name is Joey, <laughs> is like, um, nah, like, you crazy? Whatever, you, you do you if that's what you want to do. Because um, at this time, they were already doing illegal things. There's an instance of them breaking into a factory and stealing, like, designer shoes and cologne. And and uh, when one of the, when some random stranger tries to rob them, seemingly, uh, Richie shoots him, which shows you his, that he has no compulsion to kill. She has, he has no problem doing it. Um, oh, did, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that, that was actually... I don't know. This whole backstory felt... It felt like a Tom backstory. Yeah. I, I liked it. I think it, it added a lot to the story. But, yeah. Um, Tom is, is not on board for this robbery or this killing or any of that kind of stuff. But then he goes home and finds out that his grandmother is sick. And needs some money for medication or an operation. I can't remember which one it is. I think it's the operation. And um, is it an operation? Yeah, it's an operation. She needs like six thousand, sixty thousand dollars or something like that for an operation. And uh, it was uh, because she had a bad heart. Like she can, I think it was probably like a bypass, maybe like a triple bypass. Yeah. So that's what solidifies um, Tom in the idea that you know what. Maybe we can do this. Maybe with me and Richie and our, you know, our combined 18-year-old mind state, we can go and rob the most dangerous family <laughs> in the city at the moment. Um, and- I think the thing that I didn't like, the, not about the comics, sorry to cut you off. I think the thing that I didn't like about it being adapted the most is I would have loved this backstory. Yeah. I truly would have loved this this whole backstory. For some reason, I feel... Like this can be something that can be played out in a movie or even a TV show. I this this would be like a season arc. Yeah, and you've seen so many uh, pieces of media go to great lengths to try to replicate older New York, you know. Um, and this is this is a tale from older New York, same way like Joker, you know. And yeah. so it would have been cool to see two teenagers growing up who knew somebody who got hit by the mob, who knew the restaurant that the mob went to. Like, what kind of life is that? Where you actively even, know the bad guys and you actively know how they handle their business and where they handle their business. Even the themes, the, the just the, just the tone of how this backstory was going. This poor mother. That's my, what my takeaway from this whole backstory was this poor mother. She lost both her kids to the damn 
a mob in 80s New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was it's sad that that funeral was sad. The they're just watching this kid just like further get angrier and angrier and angrier. Yeah, when the first child is killed by the mob, Louis Manzi goes up and gives the mom 500 bucks. And it's yeah. like, yeah, sorry about all that. I hope this helps. Here you go. No worries, miss. Your and son was worth $500. That was one of the things I think Richie took the most to heart. The mm-hmm. idea that you could do something like that and just put money up and it'll, it'll all be done. It's like, is that, he said, he's like, oh, $500? Is that what your son's life was worth, Ma? $500? What do you think about the prep for the robbery? The idea that they would rent a car, go and go and meet a gun guy, get tear oh, gas. Oh, that shit was cool. That was crazy. They went to Pennsylvania for a weekend. Yeah. To, to some crazy hick out in, I'm going to assume, the Poconos. <laughs> Yo, what is it with these, what is it with gun scenes that get me? I don't know what it is. I was rewatching Taxi Driver. I was watching that. I, I think there's something, I think there's something now. endearing about somebody being very professional about something that. I would I would argue only gets used emotionally. Yes. So but the, the idea way they that talk someone, about yeah. it is they talk about it with emotions though. Like this right here is your your three fifty seven Magnum and you know, it'll shoot a bottle rocket from five miles away. There's a level of pride, yeah. There's a level of pride yeah, in they, the information they that they have, have for that each different pride. gun. Yeah. And they sell these kids. They don't sell them um, a bunch of Glocks. They don't sell them a bunch of Berettas. Mm-hmm. They give them Uzis. Yep. He's like, you can have uh, two Uzis, they're 250 apiece, uh, you can throw in extra mags for 75 I'm like, yo, holy crap. I even think it's they sold their this... car. Didn't they sell the car for some of the, some of the stuff? They had to. For the tear gas, they had to sell the car because it was uh, extra. Right. Tear gas is always tear extra. Gas it's like guac, bro. Yes. So he's like, I'll take you to the this place. There's a bus station, catch a Greyhound. I'm like, goddamn. Now they got to travel back to New York from Hickville, Pennsylvania, with two duffel bags of military-grade artillery. Oh my God. So they put like, on you their... You know, tear gas is illegal. Like, yeah. Like, and I heard tear gas is illegal in military use. Well, I mean, you can turn on the news if you want to see how illegal tear gas is. <laughs> but... Oh, God. Like, I'd rather stay, stay with my comics. Hey, me too. Um, so, we have... Little Joey and Little Richie prepping. Yep, and they but they're ready. They dress up in their little thing. They they figured out where they sit. They figure out what day it is, all that stuff. They get dressed up in these weird Boy Scout outfits. They they, they oozy the hell out of the the security that's out front. Go inside. Oh, gas that was so the crazy. Restaurant. They just drove up. Yeah. Yep. Gas the entire restaurant and they, and, and they just they lay everybody out. Right through the glass, um, and they're able to take everybody down, and they steal, I think, a hundred thousand dollars worth of, or over a hundred thousand dollars worth of merchandise. Um, they kill a whole bunch of people, but they did not end up killing um, Lou Manzi. They had an opportunity to, and they didn't. And Torino was outside, and by the time that he got close, every all the kids were gone. Um, so the kids run away. They had an entire uh, elaborate es- escape plan where. They get rid of their masks. They, um, you know, they're able to go through back alleys, go pick up the getaway car. Like they had a legit, legit um, whole thing figured out uh, by them, and so they're celebrating, seemingly being able to rip off the mob, um, cr- literally cracking up at the idea of how 
how fun it was or how easy it was or how, um, you know, energy filled they are now. $122,000 in the bag, split half and half. Um, and they're, yeah, they're on top of the moon, kind of, sort of. Oh, um, they're, they're living it up. Right. They're completely living it up, they, except they, one person living it up too much. Yes. They pause, they pause the, uh, flashback. So we can go back to Tom and realize that this is Tom telling this entire story to his wife at the hospital. And he explains that his name was originally Joey Money or Mooney. Mooney. He was an Italian, but in his eyes, that guy died I think a long it was time ago. Munzy, like Muncie, but M- well, Munzy. Uh, Manzi is the is the the mob boss. His name is Joey M U N I. So he's basically telling his wife, like, don't worry, like you the Tom you knew is Tom, that is me. Joey's gone. Joey's dead. I ran away and I became Tom. I'm not proud of it, but that's what I did. You know, I used a man so yeah, see this is this is the thing that I didn't like about the book though, is like he's making it seem as if Joey Muni was some like Deadpool, like Wade Wilson. Like he's acting like if he was the worst person in the world. If this was movie Tom and he was saying these lines of, I killed Joey, Joey's dead and gone, 100% believe it. I can believe that a character like that would say it. But this particular Tom in the book, he seems like he was just an idiot kid that made one mistake and he's been paying for it his whole life by having to constantly look over his shoulder. I don't believe that this is some, that somebody from 20 years ago is somebody he has to kill. So what I would what I would argue is that uh, I think that the fact that he is more mild mannered, seemingly more milk toast, would mean that he would have a more negative reaction to everything. Like he would do some do or say something as dramatic as Joey is dead. You understand? Because like that time, all of that reminds him of a time where he did things that he never would do again. And the idea that he could just escape all of his "quote unquote" history of violence just by creating a, uh, 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 you know, take assuming another man's identity, and you know, getting married, having kids, all that stuff, um, you know, like there, there's remorse there. You know, there's he talks about it as you know, committing murder. He doesn't say, you know, I defended myself or this was for Richie's brother Steve or any of that stuff. Oh no, he no, yeah, he's, he's very remorseful murderer. about what he did. Yeah, yeah. So I think somebody and he, he who's even that, wanted to go to jail for it. I think somebody who's that remorseful, like not that remorseful, but I think somebody who does something like that thinks about that every day. You know, thinks about that 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 life and wh- what's going to happen when somebody shows up at my soda shop. <laughs> and asks me about that thing that happened 20 years ago. But he's using all this to apologize to her, to explain to her why he doesn't go to the why he didn't go to the police and all that stuff. And um she's like is that the end of the story? And he's like, "Nah, not even close. Actually, um you know, we both had our money, but Richie Actually. Richie was out there spending it all crazy. Um and they ended up catching up to him and you see uh, a woman basically trick him into going up to an apartment and when he gets there uh torino's there with an axe so yeah that that almost, that broke my heart i was like oh but, but that's exactly what happens like you 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 flew too close to the sun you know this is what oh, happens man, in those hurts. instances yeah. uh so because no, the first thing that i thought about like, the second you see that scene where and 
it played like if it was a movie. Like, yeah. the second that scene hit in my head, I'm just like, oh, the mother. First thing I thought of. Yeah. The mother. Instantly, I'm like, damn, this mother just lost two of her kids to goddamn mob mentality. Yep. And so, in this instance, um, they also go to go pull up on Joey. But since he... um. Since he robbed that place, he had been sleeping badly. And so he ends up deciding that he is going to bounce. He sees the car. He sees the, the cars outside. No, but that's so he's why like, he left, right? He yes. saw the car outside his grandmother's window. And he's like, no, I got to I got to head out. Right. And so he decides to bounce. Um, he like leaves a, a note that's just li- that's literally says, got to go. I'll write when I can and bounces out. But when he goes down the, the uh, fire escape, they're right down there waiting for him. They try to chase behind him as he jumps over cars and stuff like that. Uh, Torino manages to get him into an alley. And when he, you know, he's chasing after him with his axe. Um, Joey pulls out the Uzi that he still has and just randomly fires into the, you know, everywhere. Uh, Torino takes a crate, throws it, and knocks over Joey. And when he stands over him, telling him that Richie sends his regards, uh, Joey manages to grab a piece of barbed wire wrap it around the face of Torino and basically puncture his eye out. Yeah, that was such a graphic drawing. Like, they did not have to have to draw it like that. Well, you, you actually see him trying to, to pull the, the yeah, you barb see his face is out of his eye. You see the eye. And the worst part was, is not only is he trying to pull the spike out of his eye, but you see the eye, like, moving with it. So, it's the, yeah. so they drew, like, the eye being pulled. I'm like, oh, God. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Because I had to, re- I had to like not read, but I had to look at these at these pages over and over. Uh, Torino swung the axe out at Joey. He put his hand up and cut off his finger, right? Yeah, cut off his, his pinky. Off- okay, I thought because I thought he cut off his finger originally with the barbed wire. Yeah, because I know he grabbed the barbed wire. So I thought while doing that swinging motion, it slid it, it, down. It cut, and- it cut his own finger off. Yeah, no, it was the. But axe. then I looked. At- yeah, he because I know he put his hand up in the way, and like I think you see that one swipe. And so Richie kind of gets goes free, um, and not Richie, sorry, Joey goes free. But Torino has the finger, and now, seemingly now, we have all the pieces to the puzzle. We know where the finger came from. We know where Mister Torino came from. We know what Joey did to get the ire of the mob. Um, he's still there, and he still tell you know talks to. Um, he's still there confessing to his wife in the hospital about you know taking another man's identity. Um, Running away from the mob because he knows how far that their reach is. Yeah, so how, his name. how is it that a Tom McKenna died? I, I, I really don't remember what, what he doesn't, happened. He doesn't say that he died. Like, he doesn't say how he died. It just says, it was, right? it just he just says there it was, was a real Tom McKenna, McKenna and he died. That's it. Okay. Yeah, in the movie he says the name was available. Um, uh, the name was available. Yes. There's some solidarity. Because Edie's like, you know what? You're still the man I married. And um, they're like, okay, that's great. But then the police come in. And they're like, yeah, by the way, we got to kind of talk to you guys. Because um, Torino, that one man that was in the group, seemingly is still alive. So odds are he's going to wake up and we're going to have to have a bunch of questions. So just be ready for that. I only drink the tea in the morning. So... um. Buh, 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 buh. 
I don't know what's going. So Thomas is now he's home. He's on home rest with his uh you know gun injury and he gets a phone call. Uh the person on the on the line is like uh I need you to help me Joey. I want to die. They won't let me die, Joey. Who is this? Uh Tom says and he goes, "You know who it is." And he says, "Richie." He guesses Richie and basically the person pleads for his life. He's like, "You know, None of this is going to end. You know you're going to have to pay. Well, I think he would have – I would have guessed Richie too at this point because it's like if everybody's coming after me, then who, but I, who, but why I wouldn't he I be thought, alive? I guess I thought he died then. He died when he was a child. I never would have thought that they kept him around this long. You know? So that was my But they thing. also explained that um, the reason why I, I started thinking like maybe, yeah, he, he would be alive is because the cop when, when – uh, Tom went to New York, the cop was saying that Lou Munzee's son was taking over, and he's actually much more crazier and crueler, and he tortures yeah. people. So it's like, you have this description of a mafioso boss with not only a grudge to avenge his father, but he's also crazy and torturous. Right. And I guess a history of violence uh, uh, allows for a history of vengeance. Because well, I mean, you gotta be violent to be vengeful, couldn't you? But Even also, also in, in, com- in committing violence, people would want to then be vengeful against you. True, that is true. Because again, you know, their violence begat more violence. Them shooting up the mob got them hurt, and then you know, seemingly, you know, his son got kidnapped. So it all trickles down. Tom knows that it's Richie. Like he's, he says, you know, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like it's Richie. Um, and, you know, he deals with some news reporters and some stuff because uh, seemingly everything is done. Everything is, all the situation is uh, good. But the cops show up because his finger matches the other finger. And they're like, do you really want to, like, let it all out now? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I will. Just tell the truth. How about we just, let's just talk about the truth for once. Yeah. So, um... He goes down with the police to talk, but his wife calls their lawyer? Who is that lady? The lawyer, because she came in. My client was never read the Miranda rights. Right, so he basically confesses to everything, but then the lady shows up and is like, oh, wait, you didn't read him his Miranda rights? So that means none of that stuff is admissible in court. And they're like, oh, come on. You really want to do this? You really want to do this? It's just just how it goes. This is the law. I loved how she's like, you know, if you really want to, like, you know, expedite your client, my clients in New York, you could also tell the district attorney how you never read him his rights either. Yeah. It's like, God damn, this woman is, I love lawyers. It's probably just my, like, um, my diving into Better Call Saul over the past couple of months, but I'm just starting to love, like, the, the how do I put that passion lawyers have to get their client off of just, out of cops' hands. Yeah. It's like, the, don't say another word until I get to speak. You're not going to touch my client, blah, blah, blah. I love that whole vibe that lo- that movie, I guess movie and TV lawyers give. So now, like, he is completely flustered, right? The call from Richie, the attack from Torino, um, you know, the, the, the interrogation. So now, instead of sleeping with his wife, he's sitting, drinking, and just staring at the phone, hoping that, you know, a call will come through that will explain everything. Like, how the hell is Richie still alive? All those things. Um, the call does come through, and we find out that it's actually, uh, I think, Joey Manzi, the son? I don't remember if his name is Joey. Yeah, he's on the phone at that point. Was it Joey, though? 
his name? Uh, Lou. Lou. No, Lou's the father. He was a junior. Oh, it was, it was Lou, Lou Junior. It was Lou Munzee Junior. Yeah. Okay. Um, as the younger Munzee is there talking to Tom slash Joey, Torino is killed in his hospital bed. It's actually stabbed through the mouth. Um, the idea being that Torino took it too far, got too much attention on him, on himself, and so the mob did its best to cover its tracks. Again, now with Torino being the last person dead, you know, there's no, there's nothing now for Tom to worry about, seemingly, and where everybody's gone. Uh, everybody that we've been dealing with is, is dealt with. So all the police decide that they're not going to protect Tom anymore, which doesn't make him feel too great. Yeah, he's asking for a witness protection. It's like, oh, you know, witness protection is actually federal. But also from who? What do you, you know, from what what's going on here? Uh, the lawyer says that she he needs to go down to the DA's office and answer a couple questions in Brooklyn about what went down. Um, they said that he's like, uh, she's like, he looks worried. So she's like, don't worry, you're not going to go to jail. It's been way too long. Um, it, it It won't be useful to send you to jail. And so also, I mean, like, would you want to send this guy to jail for hitting off the mob? It's not like, you know, it's not like he killed an innocent kid in a hit and run. Yeah, but that law ain't supposed to work that way, right? That's how. You're right. Like You're right. I, law shouldn't. Yeah, so. I guess you shouldn't have a gray area in law. Yeah. Uh, but he ends up bringing his wife to New York with the rest of them. Um, I think they do some talking, and then mostly this is where the Richie stuff happens, right? So yeah, yeah, this is the basically as soon as they get New New York would be the final act. This is literally like the last like thirty pages. Yes, I'm gonna get the rest of this from Wiki. So <laughs> Tom learns that Richie is still alive and being held captive by someone later revealed to be Manzi's sadistic son, Little Lou. You were right who has assumed control over his father's territory. Tom and Edie send their children to stay with relatives while the two of them fly to New York to deal with related legal matters. Tom arranges a meeting with Manzi at a warehouse where he dispatches three more men and maims a fourth, who leaves a blood Another trail. Another amazing yeah, fucking he, scene. This whole ending is out. so great. I think yeah, the ending is, is, is really powerful. Um, the, the blood trail helps the police track down his location later on. Tom finds Richie hanging in a harness, having been horribly mu- uh, mutilated. His f- limbs are cut off and fingers and all kinds Dude, of stuff. You've seen the movie Hannibal, right? Yes. He looked like Gary Oldman's character in Hannibal. He did. He did. Tell, and the, place didn't, his, his... the place didn't look clean either. So he's just like he had like no lips, no teeth, no missing eyes. an eyelid, an eyelid and stuff. It's his whole yeah. face was looked like it was burnt with a blowtorch. Where he even said he's like, you know, I can't see out my eye, I can't move, and I he can't just kept saying like they won't kill me, they just won't kill me. Um, he's been tortured for twenty years. So Manzi arrives, Jesus. Manzi Junior, and subdues Tom by hitting him with a baseball bat. He then hangs Tom by his wrist next to Richie and prepares to torture him. Tom thwarts Manzi by wrapping his legs around Manzi's head, causing Manzi to lose balance and fall backwards, bringing Tom down with him. Tom then grabs a gun and prepares to shoot Manzi, but finds it empty. Manzi attacks Tom with a chainsaw, but Tom deflects the blade with his shackles. 
Manzi slips and falls onto the blade, and it kills him. Tom tells Next Richie, first. "Yep." Tom tells Richie he will get him to a hospital, but Richie, no longer wanting to live, begs Tom to help him die instead. Tom suffocates oh. Richie. I know act- this is actually a really sad, dark moment, but is it wrong that I'm just thinking of uh, dark places? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the head, I don't want to live in. I beg you. I beg you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he he puts his friend out before the police arrived. Um, he's loaded into an ambulance, and he assures Edie that it's finally all 20 years, how did this man not just subdue to his own wounds? Did they have some, like, horse doctor there keeping him alive? Checking his vitals Horse doctors are just as good as regular doctors, Dan. I don't know what you're implying there. I don't know what you're implying there. I'm just implying that there's very intricate details in a horse and a deer. But that was oh, the book. I, I, you know, after reading it, I really dug it. I really liked yeah, it. Yeah, what did you think of this book? Like, what... I liked it. So if those who haven't read it, this entire thing is in black and white. Um, it, it's all, it all seemingly just looks like pencils. Um, all of the, yeah, all the simplistic art, drawings. Yes, all the art simplistic. Everyone is drawn a specific way because there isn't much detail. So you have to be able to gleam who each person is with as little detail as possible. Oh, but that was the best part about this artwork is that with the little bit of details it has, the faces is what had the most details. You saw when someone was angry, when they were sad, You uh, the way um, Torino's face looked with the scar and the lip, it was just, it, all of it just felt, like you can feel these characters' emotions, even mm-hmm. though you, looking at it, you, you don't see blood, you just see blackness, you don't really see like cars so much as outlines to cars like everything is more like as if it's the first stage of drawing that outline right i i i but think I, in in because of its simplicity it allows you to sit with the dialogue and it allows you to, when it when it does draw detail when you start seeing a lot of those action scenes they're drawn with this level with this energy this visceral energy of violence like even though you have those quiet moments at the soda shop you know stuff like that um when they do have to show blood and gore bullets you know riddling somebody somebody being mutilated or amputated all of that stuff is shown in graphic detail regardless of whether or not they're able to show blood in the tint that they're supposed to you know what the blood is you know what the bullets are you know what's going on and i think that there's a certain level of talent to be able to do that to be able to draw simplistically but still get all the messages across and that goes to you know vince Locke, who uh I think 100%, because it. even when um richie's brother stevie dies the bullet hole wound the exit wound in the back of the head looked pretty gruesome yes like even though you can't see all you see is shades and shadows you still see the emphasis on the extended skin, the the muscles being pushed back, the bones. Yeah, like, you see, you can you, actually see the the like the mist of blood when people get shot. Like you see, yeah. the, the entry and the exit, all of it. It's, 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 it's moving. You know, it's a and that's and what I think it's supposed the, to do. It's supposed to move. The scenes without violence seem to be the more intense scenes to me. The ones with like, dialogue. Like, the ones that, that the ones that are just dialogue that seems like everything is just you know happy go lucky like perfect example in the beginning of the book after Tom rescue uh, saves everybody at his diner when they're at the softball game 
and everything just seems happy go lucky and you're just like but when's the ball gonna drop when's the ball gonna drop it's the same with the movie which is why i actually like the build-up in the movie more than the book to where the book right out the gate you know you're getting something crazy because the first two scenes is hitchhikers dying and then the people that killed the hitchhikers die and then you get the ominous uh lincoln town car just sitting parked away far away right so where the movie you get like at least a good 20 minutes of tom's family before anything even happens you get to see him as a you get to see him as a a proprietor you get to see him as a father as a husband you get a you get a little sex scene you get family dinner and laughing like you get to meet the kids you get to see that his son has a pretty uh rough school life Stuff like like you get the you get the happy go lucky build up to where it's the second time watching it and you know things are gonna drop you're just waiting for that ball to drop movie opens up and you get a murder and you get a murder of at a gas station and then nothing for like twenty thirty minutes right right like you get you get this world building both do great world buildings to me so just about you know less than ten years later um, a history of violence was created into a movie. Directed by David Cronenberg. And uh, I think that is important for people to know that this was actually the movie that a lot of critics said he returned to form. Yeah, Because there was a lot of movies that Cronenberg, he might have liked. Hell, I, I probably loved. But critically, they were panning. This was the movie that was like, okay, maybe Cronenberg, he's got his, his swing of things again. Because after this, you get movies like Cosmopolis with Robert Pattinson. Right. Another fantastic slow pacing type of movie. But he had, you know, he had done a lot of, he had gotten a lot of big um, movies off the ground like Scanners and The Fly. Um, he has a, a distinction for knowing how to direct he, body horror. He has his own, he has his own verb. You Cronenberg the oh, world, yeah. Marty. Yes. Turned the world into a bunch of Cronenbergs. Yes. So this was directed by David Cronenberg, <laughs> written by Josh Olsen. An adaptation of the graphic novel of the same name. Um, it says the film was in main competition for the 2005 Palm Dior, which I'm assuming is an award. Oh, uh, the Palm Dior is, uh, I think it's in France or Spain, but it's a film festival. To Mor- Mortensen uh, himself, he says that this is one of the best movies he's ever been in, if not the yeah, best. Yeah, he loves it. He- he loved his time on this movie. And the fact that he loved his time on this movie, it's my same thing with Dave Batista. If an actor or actors and actresses or just people working on the movie, if you know that they're having fun, if they're if they feel like this is more than a job for them, even if I think the movie's bad, the movie's not bad. By the definition of having fun making the movie, it can't be bad because you had fun. Hmm. So, so knowing that this is his, that this was one of his favorite or favorite movie to ever work on, even if I thought the movie was bad, I would have to appreciate the fact that these guys were having, these guys and girls were having fun. Yeah, and it was moderate. I mean, modest. I mean, uh, you know, it's thirty-two million dollar film. It made sixty-one point one, or point four million. So about double. They say that some of that is. Oh, so marketing. it made its money back. Yeah. Um. So. Should I just start? If you want to start, <laughs> I thought I, I figured I was going to take over because I have the oh, wiki. Oh, you definitely I are. I thought you were doing the. No, you definitely you are. Do the comic, I'll do the movie. Yeah, you definitely are. But um, I I I much prefer the book. 
Um, I you don't much prefer the book. Yeah, I don't think I'm a fan of this film. You don't think you're a fan of no, the film? No, no. Uh, and I, it, it bothers. I gotta respect it. It, gotta it, respect it. it. it does bother a bit because I know, I know there's a lot of people who are fans of this film. Um, it, I got, I got a similar feeling like when I got when I when I saw Dark Phoenix. I hated Dark Phoenix more because I knew I knew that property more. I'm waiting. I'm I'm just I'm over here with my eyes like. Why? Well, well, that's well, that's great. That's great because I can exp- I can I can explain myself. Um, oh man! For, first, and f- the idea that you would take away the flashbacks and and just supplement that time with sex <laughs> doesn't work okay. for me. That doesn't work right. for me. Two you know, separate I'm, I'm sex gonna... scenes in 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 lieu of one of the most detailed backstories I have read in a comic that isn't straight up from the big two. It, it is is right. sacrilege. It's like what, what I will be honest with you. What is that about? When I very first saw this movie, the very first time I saw this movie, I was uncomfortable with the sex scenes. I don't know what it was. It was just like I, I never cared about sex scenes before in a movie. This was the first movie that made me start to really think about sex scenes. So, I don't know why. But and the thing like, is, the scenes themselves, the scenes themselves be? are fine. Like. The scenes themselves, I could see them being in other films, and I hear that Mr. Cronenberg is known for his creative sex scenes um, as well. So I, I just oh, don't that's, know. That's, how yeah, you, that's a Cronenberg style is the sex scenes. Sure. I, I don't know how you get. I don't know how you read this book and go. You know what this needs? A sex scene on the stairs. Especially a detailed sex scene with sixty nining with a with a cheerleader outfit on. Like oh, I was, you I went... was told that that's the very first uh, cinematic depiction of sixty nine. It probably was. That's how bad. Because it no is. one like, thinks about. Because no one thinks about. No, <laughs> having exactly. to put sixty nine into their film. And like, I'm really not lying. This was the first movie that made me think, like, yo, how awkward must it be to direct and act in a fake sex scene? As somebody who has been around the block, and I will just leave. Oh, it you've been there. in your fair share of sex scenes. I, I believe. I, it. I, I'll, I'll leave it there. Stairs <laughs> are the worst <laughs> place. Oh yeah, one of 100%. the worst places to make love. Horrible. Well, I say number one is there's showers. Nothing, there's I think nothing. Number one is showers. I, see, stairs. but I would say one. I would put one as stairs because there's no way to do it without it hurting, unless you're sitting oh, yeah. and they're on top. But then for that, get a chair. Why staircase? Then that. Then that particular one. That particular staircase sex scene is incredibly weird. There's a little bit of forcedness to it. I was it. just gonna say. I was there's just a little bit of then, then. There's a little bit of like, well, I I got what I needed from you, so I'm just gonna leave from it. And I don't no, know how really, I'm supposed to. She really forced his wife to have sex with him. But she also was doing was the whole. Out. But she was also doing the whole. Oh no, don't, no, don't. Oh, I love this. And I just think that whole thing just sets a it sets a okay. weird precedent for that whole thing. But that in that in general, real life in general, that shouldn't be a yes. You that should not be allowed. I've never voiced this before, but I think it should go on record that any girl saying no, 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 playful. That's no. You're that. I don't do mixed signals, so I'm not. If someone tells me no, I'm gonna stop. Right. That's just you know. And I was like, like grabbing swing, her by the ankle no. and knocking her down the stairs and shit. And I was just like, yo, yeah, she's trying to run up the so... stairs and he like trips her to fall and he starts pulling her back down. I'm like, yo, what is, why are we getting 15 minutes 
of a forcible sex scene and what's of, weirder, of what's supposed to be a likable character. Yes, and what's also weird is that in the, the, the dialogue throughout that whole thing, she's calling him Joey. So then I'm like watching them make love and I'm like, is this like a weird power fantasy where she's like the same way the other way around where like, oh, you get to sleep with me and I'm a cheerleader and my my uh, parents are next door. You're, like that that was that was his fantasy and her fantasy is, oh, you're just a weird mobster. You're a weird Irish mobster from Philly I, and who's I, broken I into my house yes. and is going to rape me on my stairs. The, oh, what great. am so I? Have the whole pop claw thing from the boys. What am I? What 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 does this have to do with 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 Richie? <laughs> no, you, you you're right. There's they, they so did that was take, a, they that did was take a, away a great backstory. That was that was the first strike. Second strike, I don't like the sun. Oh, um, it's not even Buzz. No, it's like, not even um, Buzz. Why change it? It's, Jake. Yeah. Jack. Jack is overly emotional. Jack is. Oh, but they also changed the daughter's name. There was n- the daughter was Ellie. There's... And they changed it to Sarah. Yeah, there's almost no reason to do the son, the son's backstory, right? The oh, son God, plays the, the littlest, bull- the littlest role in the book. Even then, the even then the uh, the little girl. <laughs> so oh, yeah, it, even the daughter got a couple of scenes like of her own. Right. So like you get this book, you have it in your hand, and you go, "Uh, well, we're nixing the whole New York thing." So I guess we they can have a scene where they call his son a, a son yeah. a faggot, and then they could argue about that. Oh God, that was that. I going in my second time watching this movie after reading the book. That was the that was that would probably be a strike one for me. It's like, wait, damn, why am I literally sitting through some bully from the '90s Stephen King book calling this guy a faggot in twenty? It, does, it doesn't stop though. You have them on you have them on the stoop smoking. You think we're ever gonna get out of this life? I don't know, man. You know, I'm like, wait, go back to Tom. Go back to the murderer. Oh yeah, well, him, and, him and that girl that likes him, but he right. doesn't know she likes him. I right? Hate, what is I that about? That what? what why yeah. should I be caring about that happening when when that's happening? But I get that you have to now fill time because you literally took a third out but of this. But this film. is a three hundred page book, George. This isn't a night. This isn't some miniseries. It's a full-on trip paperback. You, put, you tell all that pages. to Peter Jackson. How about that? How about you tell all that to Peter Jackson? All right? Okay, don't even get me started because I actually owned the Lord of the Rings books. Those pa- th- those are only 140-page books, 200, 300-page books. There's no reason for those movies to be like five hours. Yeah, but a 300-page no. book written by Tolkien is way different than a 300-page graphic novel. That is, that is true because most of these a lot they we did get a lot of um, action violence splash pages where right. you would get like two three pages full on four panels of violence as opposed to story right. and this wasn't like it was narration like you know when you're reading a Alan Moore book you're gonna get a lot of narration a yeah. lot of it this what this was actually structured in a world where it's all like second person point of views where you see the yous and the hymns and the that it's all over you never get that one point of view where somebody is talking until it was the backstory right that was really the only time you get those um narration bubbles well boxes the narration boxes i remember looking at the sun and being like okay he looks like a generic son and then they show the generic cool kid and i'm like what is like you know, like this kid's got like his hair blown out. His hair's like dyed. He's manicured, worst, and I'm just like, what is? 
Who? who where did this kid come point? from? Where did he like so get? Where, that's all You're original. Right. That's all whole cloth. That's all something that that Cronenberg felt needed to be in the film, and I just don't understand why. And the worst part about that bully was he started with he started with this kid because he caught a ball in gym class. Right. Guy hits a a near home run. He catch catches it and then comes up. Oh, you think you're some hero, faggot? Uh, faggot? Like very bro, weird. And nobody else in the school's on top of it. Maybe I mean I was in fucking high school in those days. I. Things like that happen, but they were. And then they we get that. Like then that. we get that fight scene in the hallway, and I'm. Well, he like, drinks. Oh. He's drinking and driving, and he's gonna show him. And he's really gonna show him because he really got showed up that one time with the in gym class. So this thing has been stewing with him all day, and he's really gonna show him at the end of the day. And I'm just like. And the worst part is, is in my head, I imagine that they never had. I you have to go by implications by implications of that bully bullying so singling him out and bullying him. You would think, okay, this is probably something that before the movie started that's been going on for a while. But that wasn't my first thought. My first thought was, yo, are they just like, is this guy just singling some kid out that he doesn't even know because he caught a ball in gym class? Why are we here? And that would be that would add a lot. But he literally tells his father, he's been riding my ass all year. Mm-hmm. So we have that. And then we have, that's what we do in this family. We shoot them. And I'm like, those guys try to kill people in that diner. <laughs> you understand? Like, where's the nuance? You really think your dad's just a killer? Because he defended the soda shop? Like, you need you, you put that a little bit down. You need you need to like put that a little bit down. See, see, now my this is where I start thinking, like, imagine if if Cronenberg decided to adapt fucking uh Watchmen. Right. Imagine he decided to take something bigger. And and just nix all of these motivations, these progressions, and I feel like he would have took. I feel like he would have took the whole the whole Ozymandias out. You know, he probably would have put the Black Freighter in so as an excuse to do body horror, uh, or some weird pirate A sailboat sex made of dead corpses. That screams Cronenberg. And and I li- and I like you know like one point he shoots somebody in the face and it doesn't actually kill them. Kill them. You know, like that was interesting. Um. Mm. Yeah. As far as the body horror stuff is concerned, like that was definitely Cronenberg. I totally got that. Um. I just didn't expect this movie from first from first viewing. From first viewing, I didn't expect this movie to open up to a little girl being shot point blank. Right. Because the way because the way it opens up was um. You see these? Oh no, it wasn't a gas station. It was a motel. Yes, but you don't but feel too, you don't feel like a, like that whole thing was a little bit paint by numbers bad guy. Well, you don't think killing hitchhikers was paint by numbers bad guy? I don't like, know if it's, it's I don't like, know if it's paint by numbers bad guy in nineteen ninety seven. Well, actually, you know what? You're right. When actually, you get to two thousand and two thousand five, it's a bit the hitchhiker no, thing. The, reason, the hitchhiker. The reason why the hitchhiker thing works for me is because it's a reverse of the trope. Right. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking as I as it was coming out of my mouth. I'm like, wait a minute, it's actually a reverse of the trope. It's two people picking up hitchhikers and them killing the hitchhikers, not the hitchhiker being the crazy person. Not not the not the hitchhike, the the person offering the ride. Usually, it's the per- person. The why is this weird stranger on the road? Well, he's going my way, so I'm gonna pick him up. Oh no, this weird stranger is actually a three-time murderer, and he has an ice pick in his pocket, and now he's just killed me. This is why you don't hitchhike. The other way Which around is, fun is fact, that's a trope that started in Texas Chainsaw. 
But then you have the other way, which is um, don't hitchhike because the people that you might be getting in the car with might be dangerous people. And so the idea that you would kill, like, but the whole, like, going, you've seen it, going to the store, killing all everybody. We're not really killing no, everybody. I just the don't pan know out. If Matter of fact, killing a little girl would be paint by numbers bad. No, I wouldn't. No, the, the killing of the little girl is the underlying. Like, so that if you thought these guys were cool, you now don't get to think that they're cool. You know, yeah, they were you, always you dangerous. You see them just acting nonchalant right. while two dead bodies are literally there. And then there's a little girl. And you're thinking, oh, he's probably just going to say shush and walk away. But then it gets that cut where you see him pulling the gun out of his back pocket. And I'm getting PTSD flashbacks to Todd in the Dead Freight episode of Breaking Bad. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, my God, are we about to get – I'm so, also and a so my... upset because I thought they were going to show it. They should – I know uh, – They showed as much as they cynical, could. They showed as much as they could. But they should have showed a little girl getting shot and falling back. I don't know if they should have, but they could have. <laughs> I know I know that. Th- All right, fine. You're right. My word placement is wrong. I don't think I should have said should have, but I think they, they definitely could have. That. Yes, they could have. If you're going to. But I don't know what the levels of um, of of like of violence. What, what can you show okay, with so children? Let me ask you a serious question. George. Yeah. As far as as far as bad guys go in in uh, setting up for movies and comic books or TV shows. Yeah. What would make a bad guy a bad guy? What do they have to do for you to know, okay, that's a bad guy, or what would they do that you say, oh, that's just a cool anti-hero? Um, I think bad guys are liars, they're petty, and um, they're remorseless. So, like, Kingpin represents, like, the pettiness of it all, right? Like, where you could say one thing, and he will kill you for that. He will, he will, dra- he will find you and he will kill you. He'll smash you with both his hands, and it, it'll be that. Um, the cowards as well, like, like, um, if you can tell that they couldn't win a normal fight, but they have a gun, you know, I think that's a big thing. But um, like, I remember like the idea of Claw in Black Panther, the moment where he tells the guy that he's good to go. Like, don't worry, I'm like out of bullets anyway. You can go. And the guy goes to run away and he shoots him in the back. Like that kind of shit. Oh, the one that makes you think, I'm gonna I'm not gonna kill you, don't worry, you're free. And then they kill you while your back's turned. Right. Like that that's like some coward shit. Like that's just some like that's just some manipulative stuff. Um so my issue with the my issue with the the, the hitchhikers in the beginning is that those they they that entire scene is set up to show you that these men are dangerous and they don't give a damn. Um I would have done that with Torino. Not them, because they, they end up being cannon fodder in the first 10 minutes of the, of the film. And I understand it's but supposed to be a... But they were cannon rep- fodder for the killing anyways. Yes. In the book, they were cannon fodder. Right, but if you... I think that that's a missed thing of the book as well. That's a missed oh, yeah, opportunity. They were just you, but you're, but they, you have to look at it as if they were just a dominoes in the middle of the road. They weren't the beginning domino or the last domino, like... Or they actually, they could be the beginning domino because if they never walked into Tom's place and try and rob it, Tom would never have to defend himself. He would never end up on the news. So it's it, it's like a yeah, because um, that's the biggest thing is that these things are uh, they're not connected, right? Yeah, the hitchhikers have nothing to do with Tom's backstory. They and, were just and, and, those, and those Italian people. It's because he becomes famous that his picture ends up getting put everywhere, and then they end up going to find him. Mm-hmm. Am I getting that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Basically, it was the they that they helped him get outed, without knowing that he was going to end up getting outed because of it. 
I, I because even when he's at the baseball game and every or, and everyone's like, "Oh, you're you're a hero, you're a hero." That Lincoln Town Car was right there in the background. Yeah, that was the first time you see the Lincoln Town Car. Well, I'm assuming it's a Lincoln Town Car. Right. Um. Okay. So um. I also think that that scene on the lawn looks better at night. That it scene does, where they yeah. have Buzz as a hostage, and he comes oh, through. That was done during the day, wasn't it? It looks better. It just looks better at night. They they, they do just broad ass day, and I guess it's to show the, you know, the body horror stuff that they wanted to. I mean, you can still show body horror at night. A lot of horror movies do exist at nighttime, but most of the time it's in a house. Yeah. But um, and so the, the thing is, like, you're I, you right, sit there. It does look better at night. You sit there. So I'm sitting there. Said that's the thing. They would do something like that, and then I would sit there and go, "But why did they do? Why did they do that? If it was already written up, in my opinion, and it was fine." And then as I'm thinking that sex scene, you know, so it's like, <laughs> wait, where, where are we going? And I'm not a prude. You know, I've seen Watchmen where they're banging on Archimedes. It happens. I just, with this, it was just very weird because I'm like, it, I think it fundamentally changes the character of Tom slash Joey. If Tom was someone who committed something very, very heinous as a child, seemingly as a teenager. Tom has already changed. Teenager. Tom is not this mild, happy, I, no, but the thing is. The book Tom is mild because he's le- he's leaving behind that life, whereas the other Tom ran away. Those are two different things. No, but that's what I'm trying to say. It's like Tom in the book was somebody running away from a from one time event, as where the Tom in the movie is running away from a lifetime of, of bad decisions. decisions. Yes, exactly. And I don't think he deserves the same sympathy. Oh no 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 no! One hundred percent. The Tom in the movie deserves no sympathy, but also I feel. That the movie did that art. You, I, I was when I was reading it. It's like I was saying in my head, I want to hate this guy, but I can't because okay. I feel like he's he lied. Yes, he's completely lying about his entire life, but he's also not this piece of shit in his past life that he's lying about. He was hiding a piece of shit past life in the movie. So the sympathy that I didn't want to give him in the book. I didn't give him the movie. Like okay. I found myself conflicted to give him sympathy in the book. It's like, I'm going to give you sympathy. I'm going to do it because it's like you, you made one stupid mistake and you are remorseful. The time in the movie wasn't remorseful for his life. He was legit just gaslighting and lying. Yeah. And the guy, but the, the one in the movie as well feels like um, his direction was you're found out. Act as if you're trying to convince them that you're not. Where I feel like that's, the book that's was, direction. but I feel like the book was like more like the direction should have been you. You have no idea who these men are. Oh yeah, I know what you're saying. You understand what I'm saying? He should have. He should have played more of the ignorant fool in the beginning. In uh, to um, me, Vigo comes off as kind of goofy, like kind of you know, like I don't. What are they talking about? What whoops? I don't know. There's a lot of like shrugging, it's like, you, like you don't believe. It's like you instantly just don't believe. Him. Right, I know he's bullshitting, and where the other yeah. one it was like, where the other one it was like, oh, this guy seems very scared about what's happening, but maybe he really doesn't understand. No, know who these guys are. Um, and then you don't get that twist, that that real nail in the coffin of oh, he was definitely lying. Is when the guy notices his son, 
and says it, I never would have noticed, but it, this is a spitting image of you. Right. And I think, yeah. I think that all of, I think my main gripes of the, of the film um, are around the central idea that, that Cronenberg, I, I, it's funny because I had never said that word without referencing Rick and Morty for, for a while. For a while <laughs> really? So right, like right now that I said it, I'm like, uh, you know, wow! This is my first time actually saying it out loud. Yeah. So Cronenberg, yeah. <laughs> so Cronenberg, um, is choosing, and uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is choosing to make Vigo our action star in this film, where no, Tom is not an action star in History of Violence. He does do things of action, but he is not called upon. The the light doesn't give him hero shots. There's no moment of like this is what he wants to do this because he's good at it. But I feel like the movie is going out of its way to make Vigo a, a, a action star. Oh no, that's why I was trying. When I was telling you why that you had to watch this movie, my comparison straight up was: this is like a more I wouldn't want to say the word grounded because it is disheveled in some areas. Yeah, but it's like a much more fleshed out shoot 'em up. This reminded me of shoot 'em up without being a direct parody, to where you know shoot 'em up is a parody. Think of this being like. A homage to those action type movies. Yeah. Because I didn't, like I said, I didn't read the book before I watched this movie for the first time. So that's what I'm looking at this as, as some like homage to action films. Because mm. it felt like that, that unlikely reluctant hero call to action uh, comes out cha- changed forever. Like it was following all the right beats. Yes. But you're right. It, he was. Cronenberg did seem like he was going out of his way to make it seem like if this was John Wick, ten which, years which, before John which Wick. If you, which if he, if that's the way he was going, that totally explains the sex scenes, right? Because if he's Bond, <laughs> if he's Bond, if he's John Wick, if he's just, if he's Triple X, right? If he's just this, this testosterone filled. You know, testosterone filled, gun toting action star. Yeah. Right, then then he would do all those things. And I feel like they 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 kinda downplayed the, the small town guy well, of it all. Mm, you're right. You're one hundred percent right, because that's what that's what, what Wagner did. He gave us this like you you don't The glasses that's the, the reason movie. why Tom has glasses, to make him look like more, you know, more less intimidating. But Joey doesn't have glasses. Okay, but I'm also tired of that, and that's not this book's fault. I'm just tired of, of the fact that oh, we're gonna ch- make this guy look more weak and mild. You're, stand, you're standing up for the you're standing up for the bifocaled members of our our community. I'm stand, I am standing up for them, man, because I'm tired of it. Because that that's literally what Superman's mind state was. How do I make myself look like a weak, normal, middle class American? Let me throw on some glasses. Get the get out of here, man. I'm not. I'm now going to think about. I'm not going to think about Superman thinking about humans like Michael thinks about humans in the Good Place. <laughs> I mean, he's like they were. They were these things on their faces, and all of a sudden, no one can tell who the hell I am. So I guess I'm just going to do that. You know, I don't know. They're weird. Basically, these guys are weird out here. Why is it people think? Oh, I'm gonna throw on a pair of glasses, and now I'm nerdy. Now and I can say nah, that man. Superman stuff because I just won a Superman quiz earlier this I'm morning. So happy that, you, <laughs> that you're representing Comic Book Click over here, winning quizzes earlier this morning. Uh, if uh, I'll see if I can post anything on, on the page about it. I think there's actually a picture, like a little bit of a group shot of the gentleman that's going in there. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm so glad you won. 
It's amazing. So uh, basically, where 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 would we be at in the movie? The all right. So we're at the the shootout. You're basically yeah. I'm gonna agree with you on that. I think the shootout needed to be at night. Something something about shootouts in like rural locations that are meant to be like um climax type. Oh my god! You just reminded me of something. You just reminded me of something. So Vigo uh is in his shop. He during the during the uh, initial break in, he is stabbed through the foot or shot through the foot. I think he's stabbed. Um right through his foot. So at one point he has to go to like the hospital or whatever. So he's in he's at work. And while he's at work, he looks and he sees the black sedan across the street. So he's like, oh, hell no. But instead of anyone getting out of the black sedan, it looks like they were just checking to make sure that he was working. And then it drives away. So Vigo puts two and two together, and he's like, oh, shit. They are checking to see if I'm home so that they can go home and kill my family. Right? When this happens, he doesn't call the sheriff. He doesn't call a friend. He doesn't call a cab. He runs. One legged oh, yeah, from, from the soda shop yeah. to his, to his house. Why? Foot and all. Why? Foot and all. He couldn't call Man. a cop. He couldn't call nobody. Nobody for a ride. Oh, Billy at the hardware store. Maria, who works at the, at the flower shop, nobody, nobody wants to help. Oh, man, oh. I wish I could remember how I, how I literally reacted. Yo, he's, I'm, I'm just scene. watching him limp through various, various backgrounds to show the distance that he's covering. But I'm like, you can't. It was a car. It was a car, bro. You really about to run all over there one-legged? But it's town. How do you, why do you live so, like, 50 miles away from the small town. And but like the thing is, look, no small towns, consider, consider where you're at, right? Now consider, let's say, three train stops away. How long do you think you can make that walk with one leg? Hmm. It's going to take you uh, some time, right? Now, what if no, the people because I'm the- thinking it right now, actually, three, tra- three train stops away from where I would be living would be at least, at the maximum, seven blocks. Right. I don't know how far I can... How far I can limp and stuff. Now imagine if the people on the other end were your family members and they're going to die if you don't get there in time. I figured you'd try something else. Yeah, yeah, and and the other person is driving a car. (laughs) So you're racing them. Like (laughs) you wouldn't call you wouldn't call nobody, bro. I just need you for a second, please. Just just take me here. I have a feeling my family's in danger. This is a small town, and they know you, but like literal first name basis, not. And he had a cell phone. Yeah, this is 2005. This is in 1997. He had one of those Dwight. He had one of those Dwight Schrute. Uh, waist, you know, those hip, <laughs> hip, uh, oh, the one that's on their person. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the worst part about this all is, is like these people know the sheriff and all these cops by literal first name basis. You're telling me that you don't have that cop contact in your phone under right. his regular normal name, not even officer David's right. It should be Frank. You don't have him as Frank. And then, and then in parentheses has the best barbecues. You know, like, they're, they're a small like town that, like, like that. <laughs> no, because it's literally small town like that where, like, oh, I'm going to throw a barbecue. I'm going to have the guy that owns the meat store and his family. I'll have the sheriff and his family. Like, you see it in movies and TVs all the time. People that live in small towns, they have barbecues, and everybody's always there. Kids are always in the pool. The, all the men are always by the barbecue. The women are 
or drinking wine. I don't know. I'm not trying to be generalization generalized, but yeah, that's basically what I see. You know, shoe fits, shoe fits. Yeah. So I just, like I said, it's just very a, a, a bunch of at the time, bunch of just choices that I didn't understand. And then if you add that running, that one legged running, to the idea that um he he knows he's screwed. Like, he knows he's found out. It makes more sense. But if he was just an innocent man, the idea that he would just see a car and be like, oh, my God, they're definitely coming to go kill my family. So now I'm going to go run three miles. Like, that at least should have showed the wife. Right? Like, oh, snap. I think the son's in the house, too. He's eating something in the house. But, yeah, then the son gets all prissy about. And even the father, like, your son just whooped the bully's ass. Let it be what it is. You don't have to bring him to the hospital. Relax, my guy. Relax. When was the last time you've been to high school? You don't remember that? You remember the things that went on there? I was always told. Well, according to this character, Tom, this man probably never went to high school. He went straight to assassination after eighth grade. But think about it. So now that's the thing. If, if they were dealing with the Tom in the book, I could see the Tom in the book being like one bad violent decision can ruin your entire life. So don't attack bullies. You rise above. You don't let them take you down to that level. It is what it is. I know it sounds pacifist, but trust me. Trust me. If you act on your emotions in vengeance and violence, it will haunt you for the rest of your life. 100%. But this Tom has done just that. What is? Did they say what the inciting incident was that made him leave the life? Um, I don't. Actually, remember it's, it's, it's a kill bill of it all, right? Like, just didn't come back from a mission one day or something, she, right? She just didn't. He just didn't want to do it anymore. I think he just didn't want to do it anymore. It's madness. It's madness. But basically, we find out that his. We, they they mention Richie, which then I'm like, oh snap, Richie! We about to see somebody hanging with no legs and no eyes. I'm lit. But no, Richie's actually his brother. Instead that was friend. another thing that I actually didn't agree with. I don't like the fact that they decided to just like, not just forego the whole Stevie Richie backstory, but they turned Richie into his brother. So it's like if they blended the Richie Stevie of it of it all, right? As Tom and Stevie, uh, Tom and Richie. I feel like the book is this complex puzzle, where I feel like once you know all the events of the film, it's kind of linear. Mobster leaves the life, they find him, and then he kills everybody who was looking for him. No, no, no. That, that's it's, that's it's, it. Like you, like we both <laughs> said, it's the kill bill of it all. It's, it's the I'm leaving this lifestyle and never coming back. Right. Um. But 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 yeah. So he has like a heart to heart with, um, his brother. Played by William Hurt, old Billy Hurt. Go, William Hurt! And ultimately kills his brother. Right? He goes He goes to like make peace. He drives all the way over there, doesn't he? Drives all the way from... Uh, oh, no, yeah. He goes... The, the final showdown is in Richie's mansion. Right. And he drives all the way over there without telling anybody where he's going. Um, manages to take on all of them and then kill his brother. Uh, nah, William Hurt deserves better. And then he goes home, and they serve him his plate for the dinner table. 
Tell me that's not one of the most awkward dinners of all time. That's, all right. I know you haven't seen, well, I'm actually, I don't know why I'm assuming, but have you seen the movie A Killing of a Sacred Deer? I have not, no. That's recent, okay. isn't it? Yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah. So that that's all that ending scene reminded me of. Straight up, it reminded me of A Killing of a Sacred Deer. It was like the most awkward dinner between a family that is not going to, like, you, you're just going to put in your head, they're never going to talk about this again. Yeah. The, 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 the Irish mob, because they turned it to the Irish mob. The Irish mob is dead. Tom's background is uh, forever severed. He doesn't got to worry about ever people coming back to him and killing him. So they just sit down and they just have this quiet, awkward dinner. It was just... I, at this point, after reading the book and watching a movie for the second time, I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah. I could not help but laugh. I was surprised. I couldn't place where the hell I knew um, uh, Edie from, Maria Bello. But she, I actually saw her in Coyote Ugly. That's where... I remember her from. Um, the cast is pretty short. Viggo Mortensen, uh, Maria Bello, Ed Harris, William Hurt, Ashton Holmes. I like the name Mr. Toretto more than I like the name Mr. Fogarty. Fogarty? I cannot pronounce that name. I just, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it because I know I'm just going to say I something I just wrong. thought Toretto was cooler. I, I thought that the idea of showing how Torino lost his eye was like paramount to show the no, why, you're not he wants, wrong, why he wants the revenge so bad. The story of why he wanted revenge was definitely paramount because if you don't get that backstory, it's just some guy with a messed up face walking into your diner ready to just throw it all, risk it all. There was no, it showed no reason. The book at least gave her reasons. I also feel like that um, uh, Richie, you know, he didn't want to kill Joey slash Tom. So that changes the, that changes the level of danger because he's like, he just wants them back. He wants to know what the hell happened. Why the hell did you disappear? You just try to start your own family. Like what's going on? I want to see my brother. I want to find out what happens. I want him to come here and explain himself to me. That's way different than we're going to cut off every one of your fingers, toes, limbs, because you owe the mafia and you made us look bad, so now we're gonna screw you over. No, but that's what I love about that whole thing. Like, oh, you thought you could rip us off, like, uh, right? Louis Junior. He's like, you thought you could rip us off. And then, and then, the if you have any sense, if you have any sense in your mind, you're like, yeah, that would totally happen. Like, I'm actually surprised they got away as far as they did with it. Like, it, that would totally happen. They, they, they couldn't have thought of anything. Everything. They're kids. Of course they would get caught up in all this stuff. But it's not even the fact that they couldn't have thought of everything. It was the fact that it was Richie's big mouth. If Richie would never have said anything, if he would have just kept his mouth shut. And then you have, a, and you, have an, you have an emotional tie to Richie then because of that. Like you're like, oh man, I understand that you were really heartbroken about your brother, but now you got us caught. And you know how you feel about that, how you feel about his quote unquote death. And then how you feel about the fact that he comes back to life. All of those are emotional moments. Without Richie, you lose all that. Like I said, and even a straight line. Tom didn't want to do it at the end. He's like, you know, I wanted to tell Richie so badly that I, that I was scared that I couldn't go, I couldn't go through with it. But I didn't want to let him down, and it's like, damn. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's that, that it's that I kid mean, mentality. Yeah. It's that young mentality of this is my best friend. I couldn't live with myself if my best friend looked at me any differently. Like, and the young mentality of like we're going to uh, take our 
our grievances and our our lives into our own hands. You know, that idea that, you know yeah. what, we're going to make a way for ourselves. Screw that. Screw the adults. Screw, you know, law enforcement. We're going to go and make our own way. Um, there's something there's something a little bit endearing about that, even though there's some murders that come on after. In so, fact, one of the most emotional moments of that book was when he finally visits his grandmother and it's at her gravesite. Yes. Yeah. And he says, and he had never went back. Grandma. He had never Full went st- back. He couldn't, he couldn't even write her. The one thing, literally the only words he said to his grandmother was, I have to go write you when I can. And then he says later, I couldn't write her. I couldn't risk my address being popped up. I'm like, damn, 20 years. She didn't even know what happened to who knows how long she, she probably lived five years. So for five years, he just took off in the middle of the night and never came back. So when he finally visits her and he's at the funeral at the gravesite and he's literally on his knees crying, I think he says, "You know, I did it. I finally visited full, you know, full circle." I'm like, "Oh my god, damn, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty sad." And it shows you how long he was running for. How yeah, much, how much the rest of the world one moves. Spot. To him, it wasn't one place. He right. would spend a couple of months in one place, a couple of weeks in another place, a couple of weeks in another place. Like he just kept. He kept staying on the road until he finally landed in Michigan, met Edie, and then that's when the whole – he started getting really close to everybody there. Yeah. And it's not – to me, it's like this isn't even a I got too big for my bridges type thing. This was just an accident. This yes. was total happenstance. Right. But it's also – And peer it, pressure and a bunch, of, a bunch of other stuff. I find it to be realistic that he got outed by people that live in New York because as people that – as two guys that live in New York, I will tell you straight up, if you throw on the news, you will get stuff that happens in other states. Yeah. You will. It, it's 100%. Especially something now, as okay. especially something as vanilla as a local town hero, right? Defends no, 100%. The, and, you will, and you will get somebody that literally is located and lives in New York driving all the way to Iowa just to interview some Joe Schmo who happened to stop two robbers. Right. Like, it happens. Like, that shit is real. So I be- I would 100% believe that that story would, ha- would be on the news in New York. I just don't believe mobsters would be watching the news. Yeah. Especially since this takes place in, like, it's supposed to be the 90s. I don't believe the mobsters in the 90s is, is watching your local eyewitness news. Right. Hmm. Um. So I just found out that David Cronenberg expressed dismay that some viewers interpreted the rough stairwell sex scene as rape, stating that he oh, deliberately man. directed yeah. Maria Bello to passionately kiss Viggo Mortensen at the beginning of the scene in order to avoid such confusion by the audience. Bullshit, man. Signs is signs. Listen, if some... if. Listen, if you're making out with a girl that in her head she's ready to have sex and then five minutes They later, just argued like, and she called him another man's name. But, I mean, it is his name as well, but you understand. Yeah, like, is she it wanted another to make man's a, name? That's the thing. What I'm saying, when it's she said name. it, she wanted to make a distinction between the man that she married and some other guy that she had no idea who he was. That's true. That's why you don't see Kim called Saul Saul. You see Kim called Jimmy Jimmy. She's, you know, she's making the distinction of your... You right, and if I he said, if she know. said that and slammed the door behind her, and he opened that door, ran down the hallway, and molested her, I wouldn't think like, wow, they just can't keep their hands off each other. I'd be like, what, 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 what about what exactly? What about what she's doing gave you that signal? But no like, apparently, signal at all. apparently, I don't know the, I don't know the couple as well as as them, you know. 
this is not the Cronenberg is Cronenberg's gonna Cronenberg, and that's just how the verb goes. That's just that's just how the world goes. Um, that's just the way it is, and Greendale will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Uh, so yeah, there was. I feel also there was a bunch of times where it was supposed to get more bloody and more gory, but they wanted to keep the rating as is. So um, I mean, how much? How much? That's the thing that never made sense to me when it comes down to the M- the MPAA or whatever. Yeah. It's like if a movie is already R, how much? Is there should there be a line? Can well, what, really what, what was this rated? Line from, what is this rated? Um, this was rated. It should. Why does? Why do I not see a rating on the i on the 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 wiki? That's weird. Uh, Let me see. Uh, I'm pretty sure this movie has an R rate. R rating it has an R rating. Oh, see, okay. that's what never made sense to me. Is an R rating should if if it's restricted. Then that logically should be like eighteen and up or twenty one and up. Let's just say they said there has but more. The there's more blood. There's more blood gushing from from the victims in the European cut. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, I mean, FCC and MPAA don't exist overseas. That's only an uh, an American thing. That's I don't even think that's a Canadian thing. I think it's legit. Just United States FCC and MPAA. Um, so then, but those also... rating systems never make sense because NC seventeen doesn't make sense to me. Shouldn't NC seventeen before be before R? Shouldn't it, it logically before, be PG thirteen? It? No, it's after R. Anything that's too hard for an R rating well, gets an NC NC seventeen rating. Uh, but the, someone under seventeen can go see an R rated movie with somebody above seventeen. I think NC seventeen you have to be uh, seventeen and older. Yeah, because I, I, I do you can remember taking my sister to see Evil Dead, right. the remake, and they actually asked for my ID to make sure that I was like above eighteen to be able to buy these tickets. That's the only reason why. I I, I swear that's got to be one of the reasons why my sister asked me to go to movies. My little sister never <laughs> asked me to go to the movies. One day she says, "Can you come with us to the movies to watch Evil Dead?" I'm like, "Hmm, you why, why, huh?" Wow. Want to buy you fucking tickets to get wah, into Evil Dead? Is that it? You only want to hang out with your brother so he can get you into things you can't do? I think I needed so somebody offended. to take me to see Evil Dead as well. I got to find out what year that came out. <laughs> Bro, does nobody sneak into movies anymore? That's what I used to do. All right. I remember when I wanted to see Hangover Part 2, I bought a ticket for Wall Street. No, I bought – sorry. I bought a ticket for um X-Men First Class. Mm-hmm. And I went to see Hangover 3 and then Hangover 3 ended. I still went to go see X-Men First Class. <laughs> That movie's just amazing. Mutant improv. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the film History of Violence? Um, I do like the film. I okay. don't. I if if we're gonna stand the movie on its own two feet without the comic, yeah, I love this movie. Straight up, I love this movie. When I watch this movie without knowing about the com without reading the comics, I'm like, this is one of my favorite action movies. Like, it's not one of my favorite movies. It's not the best movie. But if I had to go down to straight, what would you recommend action, shoot 'em up thriller type movies? I would recommend History of Violence. Okay. Anybody that has a history with Maria Bello from uh, Law Abiding Citizen or Viggo Mortensen from the Lord of the Rings trilogies, they're going to have something there. You know, if you know Ed Harris and Will Hurt, you have something there. Right. After reading the book and then watching the movie in the same day, I'd have to – I'm going to agree with you. I do prefer the book because I feel like the book handled 
character dynamics more. Like there was a there was a lot. It was more thematic in the book. Right. I felt like the movie was going for this, you know, cookie cutter thriller drama. Action. You know, un- yeah. I think Wiki has it under thriller drama or Google. Well, it's definitely thrilling in the problem. beginning when you don't know who he is. But I think once you oh, know no, that he sorry. is crime thriller, okay. crime thriller. Yeah. Yes. I would go for crime thriller, but drama. But you're right. It's like it's. But if I had to say one final word, is I do recommend. It. It is 100% a recommendation. This isn't like a, oh, now that I watched it later and read the book, I don't think I like – no, I recommend the movie. I do. Uh, across the uh, the across the board, honestly, um, it's, the movie has received widespread acclaim um, between Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Rolling Stone, uh, The Village Voice, Toronto International Film Festival, Roger Ebert. Everybody loves this film. So that's why I said that's why I held my uh, opinion to the end because I knew I was going to be on the outside looking in. But as somebody who's been doing this podcast for close to two years now, um, I no, just, I just three years, my friend. <laughs> I just look at I just look at I just look for different things in my adaptations. Um, and now I find myself following feelings. If I read a book and it gave me a certain feeling, I need to feel that feeling in the in the film. And if I don't, uh, then there's like a I disconnect. Totally there's like a disconnect that. to me because to me, if I feel a feeling in the book, in my eyes, it's because that's what the author wants me to feel about the characters, about the motion, about the, the event, all of that. And so when I don't get that same feeling, it just, it honestly does feel like a parody or an homage, not, not the actual black and white. Uh, of uh, it. Uh, I totally, I totally understand. Cause the, my, that was my thing. I went into this book, with already feelings. Yeah. I went into this book knowing that I enjoyed myself when I watched this movie. I didn't make fun of it. I didn't have a bad time. Sure, some scenes made me uncomfortable. Sure, some scenes were weirdly done. But I I went into the book with the feelings more as how you went into the movie with the feelings you got from the book. Right. And I feel so knowing like, what I had yeah. in the yeah. No, I was gonna but, say that just that the so if you've seen the film first, the book is the film with extra sprinkles. Right. And so yeah. if you do it the reverse way, you start your meal with extra sprinkles and then you get an ice cream with no sprinkles. If you do it well, my way. See that, so I, that I was like, I was yeah. like, wait, so there's, you're, you're not giving me no sprinkles. You're not giving me no Richie. You're not giving me no, you know, uh, no New York, no backstory, no mob. No. Oh, OK. Well, like I said, I've, you're right, because they could have done the they could have done the world building the way the book did the world building by giving us this modern day mundane man as opposed to giving us you know awkward sex scenes i feel like the the backstory in the book allowed the 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 story to feel lived in like it was taking place in act you know in the actual world where the yes, where yeah. the where the accountability of other things you've done in other states follow you whereas the book oh sorry but whereas the film um He's a bad man. He should be found. And he should be. <laughs> like, you don't get to just choose when you don't want to kill nobody anymore. I mean, I guess that's horrible to say when you think about things like redemption. But it's just like, I well, don't know. That's, that's my question. Do, do you feel like this, the movie Tom deserves um, reform? I don't think movie Tom deserves reform, no. His no. past was too. I think he. he I think he could have went in. I think he could have went in and probably got his his brother on some legal charges or something like that. Um, but instead, it's like a, a. It's like a. Let me let me kill whoever I need to kill so I can go back to doing what I want to do. Which oh, is okay. like I, that's a very I, odd way to 
to, to portray your hero. I see exactly what you're saying. And instead of doing things, he decided to go the straight and narrow route. But yeah. when it came down to him having to actually go the straight and narrow route, he takes the easy way and kills everybody. So no one ever knows who he is. He would never have to be Joey again because he killed everybody that knows Joey. Right. Where you That's couldn't where even the see book, the book he, guy doing that. You couldn't. You could never see that Tom doing that shit because he's like, I, I would never. I, I, it haunts me to this day. You know, and even the cop—that's the thing—is even the cops knew who this Joey was. So even though he killed the last two people that knows who Joey Muni is, he still has law enforcement that knows. Okay, this is the real person. This is now we can solve this cold case. At the end of the day, he helped solve the cold case. Yeah, the cops now have the actual suspects, uh, pr- uh portrayer, whatever that fucking word is. Yeah, the—it's not the victims, the other guys. You talking about like an, what are in they law? called? Yeah, like when the victim and the perpetrator. Okay. They have the perpetrators. Yes. They had. They know who the perpetrators is. One of the perpetrators is dead. The other one is out of state. Statue of limitations. And so, like, at least the way the what the book ends, you know that, um, he he um he got his life back in the right way. Yeah. Because the law enforcement still knows him. Right. Well, that's my that's my idea of it that's my interpretation as long as the law enforcement know who you are and know what you've done you basically redeemed yourself you okay. confessed to your crime yeah that's the word that was the phrase i was looking for he confessed to his crime as opposed to the movie tom just killed everybody and then like in the movie the wife knows and helps him lie where that doesn't happen in the book in the book the wife wants to know all the truth and then it compels him to do the right thing but- kind of but there, but I do like book Edie more than movie Edie. Okay. Book Edie was very, book Edie was very okay. I know you had a past, but this was before you met. Before we met, that's not the man I married. This man in front of me is the man I married. As opposed to the movie Edie was very reluctant about his past. But I think that ironically, that's actually more realistic. My thing is, is, my thing is. is sex. I don't think that sex is a character trait, though. Like that, I just felt like that's what that was him trying to shorthand of like, look at these two, they love each other. Well, a lot of those, I'm same way. I don't believe certain things should be character traits: sex, gender, baking, preference. <laughs> just ba- baking is not a personality trait. <laughs> like that's just come on now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Out of control. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm so glad you've seen. In this show, I'm so glad. That's great. Um, I'm about tapped out. How you feeling? I'm about I'm about there. We we, we covered the book. We covered the book in high length because that was the the topic of the episode was the book. Yes. The movie was just the dessert. Yes. And I and I'm glad that I saw it. I'm glad that I saw it, and I'm glad that I have my opinion. I'm glad that you got to read and see this too. I really am because it's like the the more we get to cover these, I don't want to say obscure, but in a sense obscure relatively unknown comic books the more you get to see wow there's different creators out there making different things like like the alcoholic i'm glad you got to cover the alcoholic because i personally believe that's a that's a type of comic book you've never read before right you could read mr miracles and miracle mans and sex criminals all day but i would still believe that as far as comic books go and your idea our all of our ideas of comic books the alcoholic is far from that. Yeah, this is a person's biography that was adapted. That he made a comic book. Like 
so you reading a history of violence, maybe one day we can cover Road to Perdition and the Losers. Yeah. It just it's awesomeness. It is, and I think you know I've I, I've said it many times that comic books, comic book reading, in itself, just like regular reading, is a very personal thing. And so, when as fans, we branch out into various different rabbit holes, uh, especially in comic book fandom. So there's no way I would have read everything, and there's no way you would have read everything, and there's no way the things that we both read would mean exactly the same to both of us. And so, listen, I've read a lot of comic books, but I will, I will actually go on record and admit that I haven't followed right comic books until I joined. Until we started major issues, not even CBC. Until we started major issues, and even then, it wasn't until a few months ago that I right. actually started like getting into knowing the what hows of comic. And that shows you the different levels because even though you weren't following it, you had alcoholic in your back pocket because you lived a different life than me, and so your life led you to that book in some way, shape, or form through a friend, you know, whatever. And, and the month my life led me through my books. Ant-Man, another thing I'm bringing to you. Right. And so my, and my experiences led me to my books and led me to the reasons why I feel that, that way about those. <laughs> and because you have no background to them, I bring them to you. And like I said, we're just a revolving door of us introducing ourselves and each other to new, um, new slash old stories uh, and getting no, like, fresh, I knew things fresh like takes. New 52 and Rebirth. Like I, I don't want to say layman, but I knew the basics of yeah. knowledge i knew about the new 52 and the rebirth but i never actually dived into it right. so reading stuff like amazo virus and seeing jeff john's writing and these other guys uh artwork it's this is the stuff that makes me like damn like all right <clears throat> i remember when you once said i think you just love reading comics and i that shit was on the money for me because it, lately that's just how it's been yeah. I don't know why. Just me wanting to be more involved in major issues far beyond movies. Yeah. Because I know I, I made my stance in the beginning. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'm going to be definitely on all the the comic book movie episodes. I love movies. But being able to dive into comics more, it's just been a real treat. 100% a treat. And knowing that there's stuff like The Losers that I've watched and I love hundred times over but there's books to read it and knowing in my heart of hearts knowing if i read the losers there's probably going to be a hundred things in that book that the movie didn't cover that i'm going to love that the book did and i'm going to end up not liking the movie because that's just how i am and that's the thing ultimately that's the thing ultimately when push comes to shove like we get just like which is worse we get appreciation and so, while I may not have a newfound appreciation for Viggo Mortensen, I definitely have a newfound appreciation for that graphic novel that I had never read, that had never crossed my mind before. So this is and what I'm we do. We, do. We, we 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 extend that. Uh, we we extend our experiences by allowing other people to to experience them with them. I have to tell you this, and I'm I'm glad I wanted to be on the air too. I have a friend who, and she she watches Legion. Yeah, and that's one of her favorite shows. She she was just telling me today. She was getting me, and she was trying to sell me on Legion. And I'm not gonna lie. I think I might start the show. She yeah. was saying it's visually stunning. The writing's actually good. The characters are fun. Like, you know, like there's so many different 
like comic book shows and movies out there that people have watched that we in the major issues haven't seen that they love that I feel we should cover. Yeah. Like it's there's I don't know like I'm just getting this appreciation more for comic book movies and TV shows and comic books because I'm starting to see telling people that I am a podcaster for comic books and here's my website here's the podcast and they tell me the comic book stuff they love it's like it it grows yeah and it's it, it's that like not relatability but connection it's like being able to connect with people over a certain medium knowing that this medium was once made fun of and now it's literally in the blockbuster the highest grossing movie of all time is avengers like yeah it's happening is, and it's our beautiful. numbers are even growing the interest in general of people talking about this stuff is, is getting to an all-time high and i'm excited to be on the journey and i'm excited that we've been able to do this for as long as we're able to do it and hopefully it continues oh, i have i have a friend that literally gave me a which was worse suggestion yeah so it's like people are people are getting involved and they're interacting and it's beautiful. It's, it's it no, it really in the times that we're living in today, in the climate that we're in 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 June of 2020, there is nothing more beautiful than for people with different opinions and different ideas and political views to come together for one medium and agree that Cap did nothing wrong and Tony Stark was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the truth of the matter. The great thing is, if you guys liked what you heard this, you know, thus far, we've covered a bunch of different comic books, movies, movies based on comic books, oh, comic dude, books based on movies. One hundred and twenty plus episodes. Yes, that's hundred and twenty plus. This might be one hundred and twenty-nine, maybe. I think so. If this is one hundred and twenty-nine, not counting our episodes that we two that we uh, cover multiple things, like the annuals and the award shows, where we cover multiple things. You're looking at at least. Oh no! This 100. is uh, this is one thirty. This episode is episode one thirty. This would be one thirty. So you're looking at least a hundred and ten episodes of one singular topic. Yeah, and you're you're also talking about over two <laughs> over two hundred hours of content in general. Oh, because these episodes are almost two hours of of, of us praising or hating or loving these stuff. Like look, right. we've been talking for two hours now. Yes. So. Uh, oh, I was just gonna say that all those uh, the, that we we wanted to find a way so that you guys can find all of our stuff all in one place. So that's why we created comicbookclick.com, and comicbookclick.com is the one stop for everything that we do as far as the comic book click um, organization, which is the Major Issues Podcast, uh, our shop at T Public, major articles where we sit down and we write about what the things that we care about when it comes to comic books and comic book media. Um, but, but, but what else we do? My man there? George has a blog. People, like, I got a blog, blog, yo. Beautiful. I write a it's blog every week. No, it legit is beautiful. Thank you, thank you. I I, I write from the heart no, every week so to to give you guys some background on the behind the scenes of what's going on here and also what's going on in my head. Um, we got some exciting. No, I think things. they should know that you're not just talking about comic books. You're not like saying, "Oh yeah, this week we're going to be talking about this and this." No, you're. You're sitting down and you're talking about real issues. Yes, and that Lord last, knows there's some real issues was going on. Beautiful to read. Thank you, thank you. And the thing is, I write them. I write them in the in the same thing like these podcasts. I write. I I produce this content because it means something to me, 
and I put it out into the world hoping it means something to somebody else. I don't necessarily need the world to rant and rave about it. But if somebody gets a piece of our content and feels inspired by it or feels that they were heard because they heard somebody say something that they felt, then that's what matters the most to me. And odds are, in 130 episodes, there might be one or two opinions that you agree with. So go to comicbookclick.com. And uh, yeah, you can literally use the search bar. Type in a superhero's name and you'll see all the episodes of the Major Issues podcast that we've done on them. And if we've done any articles on them, it's a really quick and easy way to find all of our content. But if you already have a podcast uh, player, maybe you're a Joe Rogan listener. Maybe you listen to Talk is Jericho. Maybe, you know, you're just, uh, uh, what is it? Maybe you got one of those true crime podcasts. If you already have your podcast uh, app and you don't want to download a new one, then search up the Major Issues podcast right in the app. And we'll be the first ones to pop up. You can go and search it for us on Google. Just type in Major Issues Podcast. And we're literally the first ones to pop right up. Because we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're available at Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, uh, app, the Google Podcast app, um, Spotify, YouTube, TuneFind, iHeart. Everywhere podcasts There is literally are no excuse to look no. for it. I don't. I, I literally don't want to hear, a, <laughs> oh, damn, I heard you had a podcast, but I can't find you. Bullarky. Yes. Bullarky. And if you have an issue, baloney, sir. if you have issues finding us, you can reach us at facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. I don't expect you guys to remember that. That's why every single why do episode. Why I have your whole damn thing memorized in my head? Literally, the minute you start saying, well, if you want to look for us, or comic book, comic like I'm literally well, mouthing. We've, we've, done this, we've done this. We've done this. We've done this a lot. <laughs> Almost three years. That's it. Two but, years and a, two and a half. Literally two and a half years. But I'm telling you, people, go out there, um, look for us, find us. Uh, the reason why I went so hard with the social media right now is because not only is that stuff in each and every episode description, there's links to our all of our social media, even comicbookclick.com, but. Uh, you can reach us on there to find out if you have any issues or problems or questions about any podcast episode, listening to the podcast, finding the podcast. Hit us up. Trust me, we'll direct you uh, if need be. Hey, man, we take constructive criticism, but at least be nice about it, you know? <laughs> also, on our Facebook, and I think on our, Twitters and our, um, our Twitter and our Instagram as well, Instagram? we have... Um, Pictures showing all the places the major issues podcast is available, as well as a iPhone tutorial on how to oh, rate and review us on iTunes. We literally have a video. Yes, yeah. it's showing you how to rate and review us on iTunes, which is the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters. Uh, podcasts show up on podcast directories based on the fandom, how many people are listening, how many people like it, how many people have rated it and stuff, and also by the star rating. Even if you hate us, tell us you hate us. Just tell us anything. Yes. Tell us about your day. We're currently five-star. We're currently a five-star podcast. I'm a five-star man. Oh, weird. So well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Every time I get a new phone, I... Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. That's <laughs> it why is we don't what do, it is. This is why we don't do mail-in <laughs> ballots, you know? It's just it's just uh, all that fraud <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, you may, let your voice be known. Mail in for us and say that you like the Major Issues podcast. Uh, it's the quickest way, again, for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't like. Um, and we can move accordingly. But yeah, and this if you was... don't like us, I will give you my address and you can tell me why you don't like me. Oh, dear. Well, once all oh, this corona but stuff. Uh, I'm also a coward. So yeah, go. exactly. Social distancing. So yes. don't come near me. You can yell at him from six feet away. 
we, we, we will allow it. Definitely that. six feet. <laughs> uh, but, this, but this has definitely been a blast. Like I said, rate and review us. Find us on social media. Find us at your favorite oh, podcast. Man, I'm app. not going to lie. I kind of missed this. I don't remember. What was the last episode? I don't want to say Runaway. We, no, the last the episode last we episode. did was the Stargirl episode. Oh yeah, Star Girl in the the news. Yes. So then that was so that was three weeks ago because we're already on episode four is coming out this coming yep. week. So yeah, it's been about three weeks since I. So we, yeah, did I, that. I missed, we did this. I we did Twilight, it. and then we did um, Iron Man Extremis. So now it's yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Some. You did the Twilight and Iron Man Extremis between now and the Star Girl one and. Come, I'm not gonna lie to you, up. and I won't lie to fans. I miss going to the to the studios. I miss. It's being been a while, man. HQ. I feel I'm. I'm not gonna. Lie. I'm kind of getting used to this. I'm. I, I, it's hard for me to remember a time when people were able to come by. We're, we're, we're oh, working don't get on a hundred days. I, we could be able to come back, bro. I'm going back to my regularly scheduled broadcast of coming over like three days a week. Yeah, I just know there's a lot of y'all dealing with babies. You know, a lot of y'all dealing with babies, and that you know, I'm not trying to risk any of that stuff uh so let oh, me know no. yeah y'all gotta let me know no, when, no. when y'all ready but you guys know where i'll be and you know what we'll be which is a part of the major issues podcast here. here every single wednesday knock on wood even though it's particle wood um and yeah is that particle wood i got real wood around here there you go that's real wood there you go thank you for that thank you for knocking on your wood um but i will always knock on my wood oh that's deep but my name is george <laughs> serrano aka the don I am Dan, the comic book man, ladies and gentlemen. And this has been our history of violence recap and review. And remember, whether your name is really Joey, whether you've done some dangerous things in New York you don't want anyone to know about, whether you had to beat up the bully and now he's in the hospital, or whether you just wanted to have some sex on some stairs. Remember. Poor Joey's in Texas. <laughs> remember that we are the clique. Remember that we're together. I know times are a bit hard, but we're always going to be here. And remember that you, yes, you are worthy.